Hello, 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 everybody. Today, we have another episode of the Black Lotus Podcast featuring my good friends at Howard. Introduce yourselves, starting with Chandler. Yeah, great to be back again. Uh, I'm Chandler. <laughs> All right. Next up, Jamal. Uh, yeah, feels good to be back. Um, yep, Jamal. <laughs> Y'all can't give me like like first or last name Jamal, like Jamal Richardson Jamal Richardson back again once again. Right, everybody, everybody knows both of y'all names already. Hey, right, so I guess I'm the only newcomer up on the show. Um, my name is Malik C from Flint, Michigan. Senior year at Howard, and I'm happy to be on the podcast. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Well, just to get it started, you know, a little icebreaker. Um, how y'all feeling today? What'd y'all do today? Oh, man. I'm feeling good right now. Um, I finished my last exam, man, so that just really got a lot off the chest. And uh, I went to pick me up some food, bro. That's a, That was a little special to me. I don't normally just go out and just pick up some food. I normally be eating at the cab. So I just went and picked out some food, man, for myself. Got me some Jamaican food. And I was really about to... To just chill at the crib, and then I came here trying to be up on the podcast to <laughs> talk. So feeling good, man. Well, Malik, since, since you was talking about your food, uh, what'd you get to eat? Uh, I got some Jamaican chicken from the grill. Y'all already, y'all know where that's at across the street on Georgia Ave. Um, some Jamaican chicken and some uh, rice and some sweet plantains. What time do they close? I don't know. Uh, I went there earlier in the day, around like 6.30, 7 o'clock. Hmm. Okay. And Jamal, how you been today? Man, I mean, I feel like, I don't know. My, day, my day's been like pretty normal, pretty all right. I've been like, it's been a month for me, so it's, it's been an interesting month for me. So, But, uh, you know, other than that, really just a really chill day for me. Didn't really do too much. Just got back and you know we're doing this. So, Chandler, that's you, man. Sounds good, brother. No, I've been. Shoot, man, just finished my last paper, uh, and I got some ho chi on the eve of leaving for my last Christmas break. And uh, speaking of memory lanes, it's starting to like set in. Like, man, this is this is it. This is (laughs) it. (laughs) This is it. That is yeah. crazy, bro. I'm not gonna mm-hmm. lie, because it's just weird. Because life kind of just be is moving along, bro. And it's like we really this is our last Christmas break, bro. Okay. And we about to leave, go home, and then we when we come back, it's gonna be our our last semester. At least for me, Malik and Chandler. Jamal got a few more. Uh, oh boy, I got a lot. Of <laughs> Jamal gonna have a lot more breaks to experience. <laughs> but like, that's kind of crazy. It makes me sad because it's like, I feel like it's come too fast, bro. Yeah, definitely, definitely, man. <laughs> like the blink of an eye, man. Honestly, I know that year of us being off campus, you know, did something. But like, man. Looking back, like, I ain't think it did that much damage until I'm looking at it now. Like, yo, I feel like I just missed a lot of school. Or, like, this young just going, just, this day is just going by so fast. I be feeling like I be missing a lot of school. Um, 
I didn't really get that chance to like really. I feel like we didn't get that chance to like hang out as much together as like as we really should have. You know, being being away from home and going to a college for four years. You know. Right. I feel like our experiences is a lot more. It's gonna be a lot more different compared to what your average college experience is supposed to be. Because I've been thinking about other people who went to college for for a full four years. They were gone from home for for four straight years. Right. Going right. back and forth from like home to break and you know and all that stuff. And it's like we we was home for a year and a half in between these four years. Yeah. Got jobs at home and everything. Right, people started working at home, bro. <laughs> like, hey, we like we started working, bro. I know I got my first job during the pandemic, uh-huh. and like for me, everybody knows like it was a good time for me. But I kind of I always do wonder like what if, what if, what if we was able to experience that time? Because I I feel like all y'all like I be getting closer to y'all like every just like every day and stuff like that and. And it, it's senior year. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not gonna lie, Malik, I really got like closer with you this year, okay. like like this like this semester. And I've never hung out with you as much this semester compared to the past. Like you was my homie before, 100%. but now I really understand a lot more. I have a lot more insight to how you think now compared to how I did before. And I feel like, why am I learning this about you now? I was like, in a perfect world, I would have learned that stuff like sophomore year. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It makes me. This makes me sad, bro. This makes me sad and, and reflective. You know, it's like I don't know. No, man, it it, it does, dog. Uh, Cause like definitely, I I definitely got the. It's not like we haven't always known each other, but like I got to see the growth from a different point of view. You feel me? Like just because we weren't, just because I wasn't always. Uh, as far as like hanging out with you on a day to day basis, like especially in our earlier years when I was going to school, right? Um, during that time of break when we were not together, uh, sophomore year and a little bit of junior year, um, I definitely feel like I got to see you see you grow, see, see see still be connected with you, like just through social media. So right. Um, but then once coming here, uh, senior year and being on campus, I definitely feel like. We have been able to learn the way both of us think. For real, I see that from my point of view too. Huh? And I, you really don't, you really can't understand how somebody thinks until you actually get to talk to them. You can only learn so much about somebody through social media, mm-hmm. like because social media, you just see actions. That's true. You see actions and activities. You don't really get to see what somebody, how somebody processes. Social situations, right, 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 you know right, what right. and what not to say in a particular scenario, mm-hmm. and it's like, damn, you really missed out on a lot, bro. I was thinking though, like, what was y'all? Um, since we're talking about like this, an overall overview of college, what was y'all biggest takeaway from those from the year and a half? Like, what do you think is the biggest thing that that y'all like realized about yourself in that span of time? If y'all realize anything over COVID, yeah. I would say COVID in general like gave me it put up a mirror to myself to where I could be like man what am I doing right now like I'm unrecognizable for myself like I don't even feel like myself right now and I was 
<laughs> ironically, the time I started listening to Larry June. Um, so that was it was like a big reset for me to like say, okay, what I'm doing right now is not working for me. It won't work in the long term, at least. So this is a chance for me to kind of refocus and uh, go to what I'm what I'm trying to go towards, with the goals I'm trying to accomplish. So, what steps allowed you to come to that decision? Honestly, <clears throat> this is kind of backstory on how the Marines even became a thing. Um, so I got an email first semester freshman year about it. And I was like, okay, that seems cool, whatever. So I just started and whatever, just kind of put it on the back burner. And um, during this time, I was like struggling with my identity because I didn't have like basketball taking up all my time outside of school. And I remember like maybe a couple days before I flew back for spring break during COVID, um, I looked in the mirror and I was like, what am I doing? Like, I, I didn't even look like myself anymore. Like, I had played sports all my life. I was like, what? <laughs> and so I was like, It's a right. big jump. All right. Like, I, when I get back home, like, I'm resetting. I'm resetting. So I get back home, and I kid you not, I could I could barely do, like, a set of 10 push-ups. Like, I was that weak. Damn. Yeah. And so it was like, every day, day in, day out, I was doing stuff every day to try and get back in the flow of things. And that's pretty much what got me to where I am now. That was that was like right when COVID happened when it started. Yeah, right when COVID happened. That's crazy. We was doing the same thing, bro. Yeah, like <laughs> in online class, like getting a workout and just playing the class on speaker. Oh my god! Yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah. Them, them two a.m. workouts that I used to be doing, bro. Because like when COVID started, I couldn't even do five push-ups in a row, bro. Like no cap. I couldn't even do five, bro. And I kind of had a moment like that too, bro. Like, after... My moment kind of came during Christmas break, though, 2019. I was like, bro, I can't be... Like, what am I doing with myself? I, and I was a point to where I'm... I wasn't playing football anymore. I wasn't playing any sports. So it's like, I have no reason to be as big as I am. I needed... I need to start, and I don't want to be this big anymore. So I need to start making the steps to to do it. And when COVID happened, you know, I kind of got sad. I was like, damn, like, how am I going to accomplish my goals? But then um, my homie Akil told me, like, you're not going to see people for a while. And I didn't think COVID was going to last as long as it lasted. (laughs) 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 Bro, they was telling us we we was going to come back in August, bro. Patty P was gonna be my roommate. I know. Patty P was gonna be my roommate, man. bro. I thought we was gonna be back in <laughs> August. I was like, all right, I just need to lose some weight so so I can come back this next semester looking good. And that semester ain't happening. Then the next semester ain't happening. And like you said, Malik, we was all getting jobs. Right. <laughs> we was all working. Right. Just just grinding, bro. Um, um, Malik, what was the biggest thing that that you learned uh, during the pandemic? No, man, the pandemic, like, it really helped me figure out, like, all right, what it, what am I trying to do with school? Where am I trying to go with my career? And what, what is my steps going to look like, man? Uh, like, those, those months at home, man, I really got a chance to deep dive in, like, what position that I want to go into. I'm, I'm a sports management major for uh, people that don't know, and... 
there's a lot of different avenues that you can take going into the sports world. I mean, I think I narrowed it down to like player personnel is the main thing that I'm trying to go to. And that took a lot of research that, um, that I just like that the pandemic gave me time to do. Um, and, and I, I appreciate that because like I was able to follow some steps from another guy here at Howard, man. And, just you know try to project of okay what is my career going to look like so that's what the pandemic helped me out a lot at man and you know it gave me a chance to you know focus on those other things about you know myself my my inner self i know i'm like should we go come back to school in about a few months it ended up turning to like a year and so but like i was like shoot i'm gonna come back looking different you feel me that's what right. i was locked in tried to work get my money right but shoot people stayed at home for a year so my money ended up going wrong but you know <laughs> it is what it is uh but yeah i, I don't know it's just it, I, I lost a lot but i lost a lost a uh a year of college but i gained a lot of knowledge though um, right by myself me too and, and what i want to do where do you think I mean, you said that you were researching a lot mm-hmm. during the pandemic where did you figure out how did you find out how to start researching like where did you because a lot of people don't even know where to start when it comes to finding a career and stuff like that what where where did you how did you know where to start at in terms of research and knowing what to research um so as i know i started out just uh going off of like what is the things that i like so you know i like to listen to what is the things that i like in sports you know i like to listen to a lot of podcasts i like to play a lot of uh, I like to listen to a lot of podcasts, and when I'm listening to podcasts, I like to p- hear people talk about the sport or a specific thing in sports. So, you know, I'm, I was like, okay, I can see that I like something like that. Um, I like playing, <laughs> it's kind of crazy, but I like playing like my leagues on like video games where I'm able to control like a GM aspect, and you know, that's where I'm, you know, stuff like that is where I'm putting my head to. Me too. That's stuff that I like. I love my league, my GM, all that. You feel me? So I'm looking up stuff like this. Okay, I'm looking up stuff. Okay, how can I be a a GM, you know? I'm looking at past GMs, and I'm looking at stuff. I'm like, okay, they went to school for a long, long time. (laughs) And that's, you know, I'm not, I I definitely want to continue after my, bachelor's i want to go get my master's but i mean we got people in law you know a lot of these gyms in law so i was like okay you know that's 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 okay that's a different avenue you know but it was also people that just worked their way up in a sports organization that has been there for years you know right. and, and you know i feel like okay i know one day i can get if i get in with an organization i know that could be something way down the line you know that's a big dream of mine but that's way down the line it got to be steps to get there right so you know i was able to look up other things okay um what is my school what is what are they offering here at school uh you know i found out that there's like journalism um with the newspaper here at the school so i was like all right um, let me try tapping into the sports journalism world. Uh, you know, once I once I kind of like I don't know, man. Once I kind of like figured it. Once I kind of like figured. Um, once I kind of like tried to step my foot into like a uh, one space of sports, I just tried to, um, you know, keep going from there. Um, I don't know, man. Bro, that's. <laughs> 
That's very interesting because that journey, like looking up where certain respective people, like GMs and people in organizations, how they, where do they start at? It's something that I never really thought about doing until kind of this year Mm -hmm. and really seeing where I wanted to go with my life and just seeing people, the positions that they hold and seeing where, um, like where they started at. Because I be thinking, I never really have a lot of older people. I've never really thought about them being young. I kind of just think of them as they are. Right, right. And I don't think that okay, they were just they were an undergrad at one point, and then they were and they didn't know what they were doing. Like they was just, you know, they was just going through, getting getting a doctorate or master's or something like that. They didn't know they was going to end up as the commissioner or or the GM. Exactly. And it's very interesting because I be trying to see all right, like where where do I fall into all this. Like I seen um Dr. Umar, I was watching a video of him okay. earlier today. I seen uh, he was a a double major in political science and psychology, and I'm a and I'm a political science major, and I'm like damn like I, I, I don't I feel like he didn't he didn't know what he was going to be 100%. at that moment. You just kind of moving along, and I kind of feel like that's how life is, bro. Because I feel like sometimes they put a lot of pressure on us, bro. They do. I feel like I have a lot on myself. Right. And I feel like there's a lot of pressure on us to like kind of know what we're supposed to do right now. To have it figured out, right? Make six figures, right? Just <laughs> just make make six figures at at, at twenty three, and if you're not, you're a failure, bro. That's all. That's all I feel like. You're a failure. You don't get the woman. None of that stuff. Like it's um, it's just weird because, bro, we're young. Mm-hmm. We're young. People don't really start getting the full swing of their career until they forties, bro. Like, like peak, like peak financial success, late forties, right, like late forties, early fifties. And when we sitting here, like early twenties, like stressing about where, like, <laughs> wait, 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 what, wait, what are we gonna do? Mm-hmm. Which there is some validity to that, just because of the, the job market and the way the economy is now. But uh, it's definitely. Oversold, if if that's a word um, to use, right? It's definitely oversold. Um, all right, um, Jamal, what was your biggest takeaway from the um, pandemic? I mean, for me, like for the pandemic, I say definitely my biggest takeaway was like finding out what I wanted to do, like like my career choice. Like I want to be an actor for sure, and like I just. I guess, like, just determining, like, how passionate well, am I really about it? Like, do is this something I really want to do? And it's, like, the answer for me was, like, yes. And it's, like, it took me, like, like, um, like I said this last time I was on here, like, I'd go out, like, during the pandemic and just, like, take, like, night walks and stuff and just be out there just thinking and, like, dreaming of stuff. And it was, like, always, like, acting, never, like, an office job. So it was definitely, um, for me, like, a lot of clarity on the career choices I wanted to take. So... It just really like gave me a lot of definitiveness in it. So, yeah. well, what do you think made you stray away from that um, that that original vision that you have? Because I know you you said you acted in high school, right? Mm-hmm. You acted in high school, but when you came to Howard, you were a political science major. Um, well, one it was like laziness. Um, two it was also like fear. I guess like. like yeah, tower. That tower spiral one is going crazy, bro. Every every night, <laughs> every day, I hear that. Imagine living there. <laughs> <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> but um, I, I 
definitely like fear um definitely like wanting like safety of like a like a business job or something definitely wanting to like be able to like pay off college and all that other stuff um and then it was just like for me like i said uh, last time i was here i was like if if this is something i'm truly passionate about i'm gonna be the best and i'm in and if i'm the best i'm not gonna be broke or you exactly. know not getting jobs so um that, that's really like what it what really just like i said scared me was me being lazy in the beginning because it was like i did apply really last minute to howard and i didn't do that and then i was also just like scared so those are definitely the two biggest factors right i kind of feel like when it comes to um, entertainment jobs or just jobs where you have like a lot of notoriety we tend to look at those people as if they're um, anomalies and as if they're almost inhuman because when like in the general population we never look at all right all right that can be me we just kind of we just kind of undersell we, we undersell ourselves you know it's like like most people think most people don't think they're going to be a marine most people don't want to be an actor and most, and most people don't think they can be an actor and most people don't think they can be a gm like people are automatically cross those boxes people automatically like like don't even think about that stuff because people always want to play it safe but it's just interesting it's interesting because we admire the people who who did take a risk and, and we admire the people who who actually who actually believed in themselves but we don't believe in ourselves yeah that makes me laugh to myself because um even like with me like putting my head down working out like pretty much i was working out to the point to where my back was sore from the, the amount of pull-ups i was doing for like one to two weeks like couldn't couldn't bend over like i was barely i, I was doing a janitor job at that time a janitor job yeah like like you was mopping floors yeah like cleaning up behind like certain like one was a school another was a little surgery place just like taking out the trash and stuff like that bro things was working for real and like <laughs> I, I was like wincing just to like reach down to get the trash bag pick it up i could barely do that i was working like that hard and um so during the process for the marines they have you run a physical fitness test and i didn't score high enough and i was this was like the very last opportunity to score high enough and like that whole time my parents were like oh maybe you should consider something else or look at your other options and i was like no nah, this is this is what i want to do like i'm gonna do it so this is my option. It's yeah. It's, this is the only option. So it's freezing cold and it's raining, and like I just wake up with it on. Like I like I have to. I have to be successful today. Like there's no other way. And so um, I did well on the pull ups. Did well on the the plank. And the last part was the run, which was terrible. It's three miles. Is it time? And um, say again. Is it time? Yeah, it's time. It's time. What's the time? I think I had to get. I can't remember the exact time I had to get, but I was like, I just had to run it as fast as I can. Right, right, I just right. got to push through it. And um, I ended up getting selected for OCS this past summer, and the selection rate for the board was like ten percent, maybe. That's like really low. And I was like, yeah, I, this is something I need to be doing. Like. I don't think God would have allowed me to pass the test just for me to not be able to do this. Yeah, yeah. bro, that's 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 hard work, and that's so that's a testament of your of your mental strength. Yeah, 
Because you really got to believe that you can do that, bro. Yeah. It's not just something that, that you just like like walk into. It's like, all right, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a Marine. And I'm going to just do it. Like, you really got to believe that you can do that, bro. And the reason, <laughs> the reason I'm laughing to myself is because my parents were the main ones to like, oh, maybe you should try something else. But then like, uh, like seeing me go through everything. And um, even like once I got back from OCS, like one of the first things they told me, them and my mentors, like, we're proud of you. Like, even though you didn't finish, we're proud of you. So that was, like, really big for me. Right. Nah, bro, that's that's a beautiful thing, bro. And I just think it shows the the power of of, of believing in yourself and your gifts. Because I feel like I, every every human has, has a gift that that they either acknowledge or they don't. And a lot of time, we, we kind of let these um gifts and passions that we have lay, lay dormant. And we don't even... Um, we kind of we try to we, we suppress them and we don't do what we want to do. We kind of get caught up in what others want us to do. Like imagine if imagine if you listen to your parents and it's like, yeah, maybe I should look at my other options. You know, imagine imagine if I just okay, I, I'll just I'll do the I'll take the safer route. You wouldn't be as happy as you are now. Yeah. You know, you wouldn't feel you wouldn't be as fulfilled. And I and I can speak from experience. Like when you're when you're embarking on a journey to where you feel like it's actually something that that is that that God is like really pushing you through and something that you feel like is for you there's like you, you you enjoy waking up every morning to do it you don't you don't dread it i know a lot of people wake up and they and they hate themselves they they, they hate their life they, their life they hate the journey that they're going on and it's like a lot of times we we have a choice about about what we can do and what we can't do and a lot of times we don't we don't listen to our to our inner selves and I would say, like, at least try. Like, at least if I tried, I didn't do it. Like, okay, well, I'll wait till next time. Or now I have time to explore my options. But, like, if I had just never, like, if I had just dropped it, there always would have been that what if. Like, man, what if I did? What if I could have scored high enough? What if I did score high enough? Mm-hmm. And that would have turned into, like, resentment. Resentment towards yourself. Yeah. And the people that, like, convinced me not to do it. But, yeah, mostly myself. Exactly. Yeah. You know, no, that's that's very interesting. That's a beautiful thing to hear. But one thing that I did want to talk about today is um that boy in Colorado. Uh, y'all know who I'm talking about, uh, Mr. Sanders. Oh, John. <laughs> Mr. Swat. Mr. Swat. Not not anymore. <laughs> not not anymore. Um, if primate swat. Primate swat. Alright, I I do wanna ask, um I don't think I've heard your opinion about this, Chandler. I've I've heard Malik's. Um what do you, what do y'all think of Dion going to uh, Colorado? Well more first, okay. Um Whenever something big happens, I usually don't feel a particular way immediately. Uh I feel like that's just coming from a place of emotion, especially when I don't have, like, the facts or anything. Like, I don't know what Dion's thinking. I don't know why he made that decision specifically. All I know is what I see and what I hear. Uh, I was a little let down uh, just because that was, like, I don't want to say the one bright spot, but that was definitely, like, uh, that could have been the first domino to like a much larger effect. Cause like even when you consider 
HBCUs having sort of a revival since um, the shooting, the killing of, excuse me, the killing of George Floyd. Um, we've had sort of a revival of HBCUs, like uh, applications are up, enrollments up. Right. And then to like to follow that up with Dion being at Jackson State. Um, I thought that was a big movement for the, the culture at large. And I think we could have followed that up with either more resources or even like more coaches in the SWAC or in the MEAC. Um, that would have been really big. Right, bro. I mean, that's one of the things that disappointed me. I kind of get a little mad when people call Dion a sellout. Because I don't think... I don't think sellout accurately describes that because he did give a lot to Jackson State. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same thing that like I kind of say that I said on the podcast before with like Booker T. Washington, how people like to call him a sellout, but he created a whole institution for black people, which uh, I don't know how you can be a sellout if, if you are <laughs> if you are providing things and you have provided things for the betterment of the of the black race. But um, yeah, so I think sellout is a little too far, like. I seen Dr. Umar talking about like giving him lashes and stuff like that. <laughs> like he's, like he's, he said like fifty thousand lashes, and I'm like, uh, I think that's a little too extreme for me. But I was disappointed just because I thought this was um, I it, it was like you said, Chandler it was like a bright spot. It seemed like it was a bright spot. It seemed like a in it for the long run kind of thing, right? Yeah. Definitely thinking that vibe. Oh, see, I, bro, I knew I wasn't tripping because Malik, when I was talking to you and Jed about it the other day, like I, y'all were making it seem like that I was like tripping, that I was making, that I was like, that I was imagining stuff in my head about him, about him feeling like he was there for the long run. Uh-huh. I, I would say, like for me, what I, what like made me think he was like actually gonna do it for the long run was when he was like talking about like not selling the team to Bama, like not throwing his boys like to be feasted on by Bama because he wants to build up the O-line, build up the D-line, build the trenches. He said, and that's going to take a couple years, and after a couple years, we'll be ready for him, and then we'll take him off. And I was like, okay. Like, that just gave the vibe to me that he was actually going to like build that up. Right, that's what I'm saying because he's talking about playing Bama. Okay, all right, let's go. Let's go. Let's, let's, let's build this team up. I think maybe like for one, when he's in that position as a head coach, like, what else do you expect him to say? And then two, I feel like he probably didn't think he was going to get a Power 5 offer like that. Like, I understand it was a Colorado, but I think that was a really good Power 5 offer for him, man. Um, it was. It was a good Power 5 offer. $5 million a year? It's $5 million a year, right? Yeah. yeah. About five. Yeah. Yeah. And if that, um, I mean, I understand, like, if the, the rumors or the leaks or whatever that came out are true about, like, the misuse of money and funding and all that stuff and he him having to come out of his own pocket with all that stuff. Because, I mean, I've said it before. I think HBCUs would be better ran by white people, but... <laughs> Joel, that's, that's, a, that's a flaming hot take. <laughs> that is a flaming hot take. But, I mean, I mean it's just, you know... Uh, there's been a lot of mismanagement <laughs> at HBCUs, man. Can we make sure we come back to that one, please? Because I, I can't believe I that's, that's going to be Hey, hey I, I, we need somebody there who's scared to lose their job, not somebody who's comfortable. That's not it. <laughs> I hear you on that. But before, we, before we mention that, I, I did want to say this. I thought about this when you were talking, Bill Sire. Um, if Dion is a sellout, wouldn't every <laughs> black player that plays for a white school be a sellout in the same fashion? Because when you think about it, going back to before college gay teams were integrated, 
um, they didn't want you kind of thing. And then they found out, okay, well, all these black schools are taking money from us. We'll just give the black kid a scholarship and the resources while we're taking resources from HBCUs. And not adding them to our conferences. And not mm-hmm. adding them to our conferences. We'll take we'll take the child, we'll take not even a child, the young man, put him with us. So you're inserting yourself within a structure where your people don't economically benefit. I mean, I think that's different though, right? Because like like those students, they're looking out for their livelihood. They're trying to get to the league, they're trying to do something like higher education. And like mm-hmm. if you know, if it's an offer versus you know, Howard gives me a, a full ride scholarship versus Harvard giving me a full ride. I'm going to choose Harvard. Like, that just looks better. But um, I feel like they're looking out for their livelihood. The coaches, they kind of have it set, right? That's their livelihood. That's what they're doing. And I feel like with Dion, like, I could see him more as a sellout because Dion already has his money. He's already got it. You know, like, now it's his time to give back. And it looked like he was trying to give back. And. That's away. that's what I was thinking, bro. Because I remember I was texting my mom a few months ago. I think it was something about, I think like somebody says, I don't know. Because RG three definitely said Dion should be looking at power fives, and I was, and you had people in the comments saying, oh, like look look at this coon. He with a white woman, like, <laughs> I, 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 nothing new from RG three. But I, I I forgot what it was. But I texted my mom saying like, and we was both kind of excited. We was like. Yeah, yeah, that Dion in it for the money, in it for the community, in it for the culture, and, <laughs> and and it's like, and I really like that's one of the reasons why it hurt a little bit when I happened. I was like, I wasn't mad. I was just kind of sad because I thought it was about a, I thought it was gonna start a domino effect, like you said, Chandler, um, of of HBCUs becoming a, a focal point of college football again because they used to be. And um, integration kind of changed a lot of that with, uh, with like black sports leagues. I mean, could you imagine how much money the Negro League would be worth today if, if, if integration didn't happen? Because I mean, I don't know how much y'all know about baseball, but like as soon as soon as like black players started playing in the major leagues, they started setting all the records. Like like Hank Aaron, like when in the nineteen seventies when a black player was able to play to have a full-length career in Major League Baseball, mm-hmm. he became the all-time, home run lead, the all-time home run leader over Babe Ruth. Speaking of which, Babe Ruth is not white. He's not completely white. He actually... Babe Ruth is a brother. What? Babe Ruth is a brother. Oh, boy, you on this theory? You on this theory? <laughs> Wait, what? Babe Ruth is a brother. I mean, he said the N-word like one of them. <laughs> Babe Ruth is a brother. Wait, what? You got me looking up on my phone, bro. There, there, there's some, uh, there is some debate. About, uh, you know, if there look, was a little look at that man's nose, there's a little drop mixed in that big old pot. Wait, hold on, bro. You got me out here researching. Think he conked it? You know, I, I'm not gonna lie, I can kind of see it, bro. I can kind of see it look a little bit, man. I can kind of see it a little bit. Like, he don't look 100% white. What do you look? What does hair look like? Is he that short? I think so. Mm. I think so. Oh, no. Maybe he did. All pictures are black and white, so. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I can't call yeah. him. I can't call him. Dang. That's crazy, babe. Uh, it's it's it says he was of Dominican ancestry. No. It says so. it says unproven. Dominican. You got any kids? Dominican meaning African. 
His Dominican ancestry. meaning African. His ancestry is from Africa. Yeah. If you ask them. Which isn't everybody's. <laughs> Hey yo, hey, bro, that's that's wild, bro. That's wild. But no, what I'm yeah, what I'm saying is like the app in sports, we we run that shit. If we decided to go to our schools and stuff like that, it, it would literally flip things upside down. But at the same time, I do understand that at an individual level, these players are looking out for themselves, and they do want to get to the league. And a lot of time, those those bigger um, white institutions that have more money, um, it offers them a better pathway to the league as opposed to, especially in football. Because I feel like in football, you really, football is a very team-oriented sport. And you got to have a good team around you if, if you want to do good. Like a quarterback, well, if Caleb Williams came to Howard, he wouldn't be the same Caleb Williams that, he, that we see at USC. Just because the same players wouldn't be around him. He wouldn't have the, the same O-line um, receivers. He wouldn't have the same talent, so it's a it's a smart decision for him to go to USC. But it would just be interesting to see. And some I think I said this to you, Malik. Something that just made me like a little sad about that whole Dion thing was when he came to the basketball game. Like I, Colorado was like it's like one point six percent black. Man. Right, right, right. Sundown State. Dang. It's one point six percent black. It is. In that one point six, how many think of them are athletes, bro? They, oh, most of them. Oh, more man. than half. More than half. So it's like, oh my god! I, I just, it, it's just, it just felt like a crusade to me. It felt like an HBCU crusade. <laughs> I just, I don't, I just, I don't really get the. Uh, I don't have the answer to, to the question. The question I'm looking, for, the question that I'm asking is though, is like, what did you want Dion to do at the HBCU? Like, at what did you want? What, what would you have wanted him to do at the HBCU? Like, I feel like he probably wanted to win national championships. Like, what did y'all want him to do, like, while he was at the HBCU? I mean, like, build it up. Like, do, do it. Do what he not, I guess he didn't, never said he was going to do it, never promised it. Do what he theorized he wanted to do, right? Like, like build it up and, you know, give us a really hyped matchup of, him versus like a rank, like a top ten rank school, like you know, hype it up, blow it up, whatever, you know, maybe maybe we get one of them them cheap playoff playoff spots, you know, like maybe they throw us rank, just just get the national attraction, I guess, national attention, and like keep building. That, that's the only thing, like just be a catalyst for it. You don't have to be the movie, just be the you know, like the ignition. So the ignition to maybe, so the ignition to having an HBCU team. Ranked in the top twenty-five, he would have had twenty-five. Top yeah. ten, top ten. You, you would have wanted him to be in the top ten. All right, make the playoff with the expanded playoff format. What's twelve teams now? It's gonna be twelve yeah. teams in like three years. Yeah. They're in a different. That's uh, FCS. Yeah, like, oh, FCS. I guess they are. They are. They are FCS. And like I, that's why I feel like that's why I feel like it is. That's why I feel like he really had to make the move, and I still feel like he's still going to show support to those to to the brothers out there in the world that's athletes. You feel me? I, he's bringing like this is quote unquote. It's allegedly. It's not sure yet. It's all rumors, but that he's probably bringing about like ten, twelve people from his school to to go to Colorado. I feel like he's still going to be looking out for those black athletes to try to send them to the league. 
know. He, he, he's all about speak. He's all about trying to. He's all about trying to one dominate and also build young men too. Um, yeah. And that's why I feel like, like I'm not, I'm not that that mad, right? Because like I mean, I mean maybe y'all, y'all, y'all are better historians than me, but I don't know what HBCUs are really doing for the mm-hmm. black community. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, besides, I guess Howard being a nice catalyst for some, what is it? You know, brownie points, token people, I guess. But it's like as long as he's still helping the community, I'm, I'm, for the majority, fine with it. Like it's not really too big of a deal. Mm-hmm. But I'm probably like, you know, if you said you're gonna do it, it, it would be nice to see it. That's it. it. It would just be nice to see it. I'm not too pressed about it, but it was just, it would have just been nice to see. It. Okay. Well, um, okay. Jamal, to counteract your point about HBCUs and their community, since you talked about the historian yeah. aspect, um, 50% of black people who, who go to HBCUs, no, 50% of black people who get um, degrees after undergraduate, like masters, doctors, all that stuff, 50% of them come from HBCUs. And HBCUs instill more, um, I would say, more pride in your community and more willingness to help and more, more, more willingness to give back to your people compared to going to PWI. Um, I think, I think that's that's one of the biggest things. And I, and most, pretty sure most most black people go to HBCUs when when you look at colleges and stuff like that that that, that black people attend. And I, I, one of the reasons why, like, when it comes to Dion leaving Jackson State, it's not really the sports isn't really the the big thing for me. It's what the sports can do for the institutions. That's 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 what I'm thinking of because a lot of these big schools and these big programs, the reason why they're able to have the academic programs that they have and a lot of the things that 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 attract smart students to come to their school is it comes a lot of that is provided through sports. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of these schools, some of these schools be making billions mm-hmm. off of off of their athletic programs, yeah. and. And and what's what's stopping what's stopping us from doing the same thing? Because I mean, all the athletes are black, and 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 black people like we're not really getting like all a lot of the benefits out of our athletes, a lot of the economic benefits that are actually, that are actually going to uplift our people. So it's like in 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 a perfect world, I you know I I, I wish I wish the um, you know HBCUs HBCUs were more of a center of. Um, of, of sports because I mean like when you really like get into it what's the what's the difference between between FBS and S and FCS yes it's the talent mm-hmm. but if you if you put all the best players in the FCS schools like who who's gonna be the most talented like at the end of the day it's just where the best players are mm-hmm. it's where the best players are and and yeah, F, FBS does does have bigger schools, but I mean, I I guarantee you, I mean, if all the top if all the top black players in the country went to HBCUs, like them games gonna be on ESPN, people people gonna be at those games, and those HBCUs are those HBCUs are gonna be making money from those games. So it's like, um, I just I just wish, and it's it's not over. Dion Dion did start something, you know, they had they was playing Southern and Jackson State. On the uh, on the ESPN College Game Day, they had they they had the halftime show, um, which which was pretty cool to see. They had the whole halftime show, you know you know that stuff would be long. Yeah. It's my stuff right here. This is this is me, man. 
Uh, that Southern heritage. For those of you that don't know, I'm from Baton Rouge, man. Baton Rouge, Louisiana. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, now that was big to have Jackson State and Southern on TV, especially college game day. And it was kind of, <laughs> it was amusing to see uh, people, we'll say, be mad that, oh, so-and-so school wasn't on, but why is Southern on? Why is Jackson State on? They're FCS, or they're not even a big school. This isn't a big game. It's like, it's not a big game for you. It's not a big game for you. <laughs> but, yeah, no. Um, and to your point, Jamal, I would I would say from personal experience, um, especially for Southern, like, that was – I know Howard's kind of different. It's in, it's in the district. Usually people will go corporate on the East Coast. Um, after graduating from here, but like uh, for smaller schools like Southern, um, a lot of people work like near the school. Like they've raised families like within the locality of Southern itself. Um, they're going to the same high schools. Their children are going to the same high schools, going to Southern. So it's like a, kind of a, a cycle, if you will, of like uh, just economics, like. We're paying our way through the school, and then I'm raising my son. He's going to the same school. It's kind of just building that that capital within the school itself, um, and then that helps with like school pride. And then those are the same people that's gonna fill the seats at the basketball game or the football game, stuff like that. So. Okay, okay. I have one question. I have a question. Um, I mean, I was just thinking about it. like maybe, maybe it's like a ploy. Maybe like Dion's doing this sort of like a maybe he's like I don't know maybe he's going over there to steal the coaches. Maybe he's like I don't know building it up, gonna do some like really good recruiting with the coaching staff, or maybe he's just getting enough money to where he can bring that culture to maybe like let's say an underfunded HBCU like some random like Paul Quinn that's the first one like random bring that entire staff over. They take a tremendous pay cut because Prime will be paying their salaries or something, mm-hmm. right? And he just brings that entire culture there, and he starts building it up there. Like, I don't know if he's going to do that. Probably won't, but I'm just saying, like, you know, it's, it could be could be a strategy. So it's like, I mean, I feel like a lot of people would definitely backtrack on him if he did do that. But I don't know if he's doing it, but it, it looks like he could if he wanted to. I have a question for your question. Do you think black people would be satisfied if he gave he gave his half his salary or his whole salary at Jackson State? I think it was half. Half. Would black people be satisfied if he gave half of his salary at Colorado back to an HBCU? Would that be enough? And I think that would that would provide a deeper insight into like what people are really ticked off about. Mm. I mean, because then, well, then, like Joe said, like right, like or whoever said it, it like he, he's bringing like a community, right? The people that come in, like they're gonna come in and be like, oh, let's go watch Prime, this Prime game, right? This Prime coaching game, right? They're gonna come in, maybe just not out of state. Probably a lot of people who wouldn't normally come to watch those those games. It comes in and that brings like more. Revenue to the community, more revenue to the town, more revenue to the college. Like, so it's kind of like his value of being there is kind of like almost priceless, right? So right. Like him giving it is just kind of like they're gonna instantly say like, "Oh, you're just 
you're just doing that because of backlash. You're just doing that so we don't call you a seller. You're just doing this because there's always going to be a, you're just doing this because when it, when if that happens, right? And I mean, I don't think it's validated, but that's what's just going to happen no matter what. I guess so. Yeah, I, I think that was one of the most difficult things about the whole Dion situation just because his value there was priceless. To have a player who as good as he was in the league to be at HBCU and really like caring and really like and really invested into it and really um, showing the energy and passion that he was that he was having. I mean, well, we don't go to Jackson State, but us being at HBCU, that that was empowering, bro. Sure was. Like that was that was empowering, bro. I don't I don't even like Jackson State, just off the principle of me being living like growing up like twenty minutes from Southern. Like I have a homie, he's a section leader in Southern Bend. I don't like Jackson State, but that was really big, right, bro? Like you had, well, you had us excited, like, and along with the, with Howard getting a Jordan brand deal, it you know it really seemed like all right, like, yeah. all right, we on a, we on the come up, you know, and and it's not it's not over, but it definitely um the progress, you know, it's probably gonna be like a little slower now. I would I, I wonder if like Walmart's gonna renew their sponsorship with Jackson State. Mm. That's my I think the most important thing that people at large don't acknowledge is that he set the formula. I think he might have said that himself. Mm-hmm. Like it was about setting the formula. Like before he did it, nobody was going to go coach an HBCU team from nothing and like see it through. And I know a lot of people would say he didn't see it through, but like he stayed three years. He led him to an undefeated season. Their facilities took a big jump. He set the formula. He was, he set the formula. Like he was running a program. It wasn't just about winning football games. It was about like developing young men, which right. is really what it's about at the end of the day. That's what it's about. So I think, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I, I, it might be too early to say. But it's like, is is that setting the formula? Because is it really a formula if if you're getting an all time great NFL player? To come coach at HBCU, like how many how many more people have that appeal to come do exactly what he did? Like, is that really setting a formula? Because because the only not not every all time great black NFL player is going to come coach at HBCU. Not every not not every great player wants to even coach. Nonetheless, at HBCU. So I mean, that's that's the only thing that I'm. That has me like a little. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, bro. I don't. I don't want to like. When it first happened, I don't want to like really like heavily criticize him like that, just because it's like. You know, and it's according, and if all the things coming out of Jackson State are true, you know, like mishandling the money, um, not. Just, just not giving him the respect. Not the buses. Right. Flights. Right. All that. If, if, if that's the case, then you know you can't really blame him for leaving. Everyone. Right, every, anybody will leave. So. Hey, even like half that stuff is true. Like him having to pay for the buses, like, and him yes. giving us salaries, it's like that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Or like you know, in the contract, what is it like? If he gets more than like thirty thousand tickets sold or something, he starts getting a bigger cut. Mm-hmm. Some weird like that. Like that didn't happen, you know. Like him, at, and then like things he was saying, like randomly, like where's the money? You know, start making sense, you know. But I don't know. Yeah. Um, Dion, Dion, and wait, were you about to say something, Malik? 
No, I'm just thinking like I'm just thinking like in a perspective of a of a black athlete, like even thinking of going to HBCUs, like the only reason I would go to when the only reason I would have went to a Jackson State is because of Dion, because Dion is the coach there and I don't know, I feel like he he would probably help me help me as a young man and that could only help me get to the league and I um like can you really bl- can you really blame Dion for I don't think Jackson State being able to keep them there? Like would you think do you think like a a, a Jackson State would be able to keep a talented person like a like a Nick Saban, because that's where like people are really trying to put Dion at this top of the list, and he haven't got there yet. You know, he won a couple games, but could you blame a a person for leaving? Because I don't, I don't think that the school could have kept him there. I don't think the school would have been able to keep him there, especially with him being that attracting that much attention to to the school. You feel me? It's so much like little stuff a head coach like has to break down just for them to even get recruits to the school, you feel me, changing the transfer credit policies and stuff like that. I I feel like it, I feel like as time over, as time just went on, I just feel like that school just wasn't able to keep him there anymore. And it was, it was clear cut. He left with the Colorado. I just don't think they would have been, they was able to keep him there anymore, bro. Right. He, he could have stayed there though, willingly, but from what See, I I wasn't I didn't want him to coach there for like he not to coach there for like twenty thirty years, mm-hmm. but I mean if he coached just like a few more years maybe like not even he ain't got to be ten bro like if it was just like five six something like that mm-hmm. I feel like a lot more people would be satisfied but but to leave after like three years is kind of um, to like we didn't even get to see. The full potential of what the program could have been. Right, right. That's what right. I think people are more upset about. I don't think people are really truly upset at Dion alone. I just think it was, we all got like a taste of what could be. We, we always get a taste of, of, of what could be. Yeah, but. You know that? Now that you're trying to say that, that kind of does hurt because like you, that does hit a little bit because like, man. They just signed five star Travis Hunter. That's, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, but we was like, really we, lit, bro. I was, like, I was in comment sections, like really, like like going at white people who was who was uh, who was saying, "Why, why would he go to Jackson State?" And I'm like, "Bro, you don't understand, bro. It's part, it's the culture, like it's bringing back." I was really good going to bat. Yeah, look, we didn't get that 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 even that second year of him, that that second year of of him fully in the uh, portal and in the and in the uh, signing days for Jackson State, you know, we really don't get to see that. And I do, I do hate that we don't get to see the full potential of that team. But hey, he bringing that bag with him, and it's Louie. It's Louie. He bringing them with him. He bringing them with him. We gonna be able to see them same, the same dogs from Jackson State. Only the top dogs though. We gonna be able to still see them. Just at another PWI school, you feel me? They gonna be part of that one point six percent. That's just that's just the thing that make that hurts the most, bro. Because I mean, he he's leaving. He's going to Colorado, and he's taking the he's taking the best players with him too. Mm-hmm. I, I just hope Jackson State isn't trash next year. I mean, it's also like if he didn't leave this year, he would have kind of been like I don't know, like almost obligated, right? Like because it, it, th- this would have been like third year he would have probably won the conference again 
Like, right. it, it's like, then he would have got some more recruits, and then it would have been like, he, he's kind of like forced to stay there now. But is is that a is that a bad thing if he's forced to stay there? I'm, I'm not if, saying, if the team is if, if you know if the team is good, they're going crazy. Yeah, 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 it's just like this is his this was his like only time to leave. So it's like I don't know what he saw. Maybe it was just that all the stuff behind the scenes. But this was his only time to leave. Mm-hmm. And like if all those rumors are true, I'm, like I said, I don't think anyone would blame him for leaving. But like this was the only time he could he could have like left because if he stays there. With one year of like getting those recruits that are mm-hmm. that are those five star recruits coming in, and then another year like he can't, he can't like. Right. I, I got a question. If I got a question, if Dion, if the if his years at Colorado isn't successful, would you guys take him back at another HBCU school? <laughs> hell yeah, I would. Hell yeah, straight up. Oh, no like doubt. straight up, hell yeah, hell yeah, I'll take him back. Twitter wouldn't. <laughs> Man, it's yeah, a screw Twitter, though. Twitter is a bunch of birds. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> is, there any, is there any backlash for him going back down, back to HBCU? There will be. Of course. It will be? Absolutely. Will be. Oh, oh, those coaches? You ain't sweating. You about to, they about to be saying a lot more. Dang, Shade yeah. room is going to be popping that day. Hey, I mean, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Shade room is a devil. Um, <laughs> okay, what if he came to Howard, though? Oh, man. Oh, man. With that Jordan logo next to him. Shoot. At first, I kind of had some trouble trying to imagine. I was like, what if that was me? And I started to think, like, what if an NBA legend, like a legit NBA legend, like, Who's somebody who's like won rings, but's retired and still kind of active? Um, yeah, one ring. Who's somebody comparable to Dion? Uh, oh, comparable to Dion? Because like, uh, I mean, Dion damn near. I'm like, say Gilbert, but I mean, I mean, Dion like the greatest at his position. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna say AI just just for the culture. Okay. That's like AI coming coaching at Howard. I came to Howard for AI, and then he left to go to Georgetown. Like after he recruited me, like that. That that was sting. That was sting. Cause not cause a lot of players at Jackson State went there because not only that they believe in Dion, they also believed in, in the message of of like all right HBCUs, let's go. Um, Revitalize this. Let's 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 pioneer something, and then that, that's what he sold Travis Hunter on. Even though you know Travis Hunter's a corner, mm-hmm. so you know playing for Dion yeah. was was also like a big step in that. But you know the HBCU thing was was also cool. Just hundred percent. I have no doubt in my mind that he threw that in there in the pitch, going up in there recruiting pitch. I have no doubt in my mind that uh, he said, you know, from this HBCU. I just I don't know. I hope that. I feel like that's I feel like that's also a thing that uh, that's in you, like you 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 know that you know that as a as a black person. But um, I guess a, a, from a coaching standpoint, from someone like Dion can really have a big influence on it. But nine times out of ten, you know, like all right, all my coaches go to HBCU. Sure, I'm gonna take my talents to HBCU. If you really about that, you you would do it. Right. Hmm. Uh, talking about all this has like makes me want to ask y'all a question. Um, how do y'all think going to the HBCU has kind of um, af- affected your thinking? 
this overall if it, if it has I sense I sense some hate from Jamal. I uh, I'll stay quiet. <laughs> see, 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 Jamal. Not, see, you say you stay quiet, and that's one thing that I just learned from going to HBCU, bro. I I say I stay a little quiet, but I observe. You feel me? So my they, that changed. That's how it kind of shifted my thinking process a little bit. Like I. I hear what everybody else saying. I try to get a real good understanding of what it is that they're saying and how they are as a person. So I sit back and I be quiet and uh, I, I let my thoughts progress. And it's like, it's like for me, it's like, oh man, ooh, you got some stuff to get off your chest. Because I mean, it happens a lot. Like say what it, I'm about to say, it's like I felt. Well, of course, they're everyone's too sensitive. Of course, everyone's like way too sensitive. Everyone wants to protect. Everyone wants to protect everyone. No one wants to get hurt. But I'm gonna be honest. Bullying is kind of good. Getting your feelings hurt is kind of good. <laughs> Having a shock is kind of good. Like shame is good. Like like yeah. Like some people need to feel shame, according to Jason. It's for real, and it's like okay. Let's, let, what's the what's the girl the Tyler Tyler? That was her name, right? Yeah. Let's just say like she was. Like, you know, at the party. Okay, context, right? We were at a little party. Um, I think racial slurs are hilarious, personally. Um, <laughs> I know, like... <laughs> I know, like... I know, like, like dozens of them. I, know, I love them. I love them. I have a little competition. You know, I'll say it, and I'll just go on naming all the racial slurs for black people. And I love doing it. It's the funniest thing in the world to me. But it's like, you know, I'm just doing it and, and just chilling with the boys. Hey, hey for, for, for those who don't know, uh, Jamal's a comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just chilling with the boys. I'm, you know, we're having a little competition. And I look at that corner and it's, it's this little light-skinned chick. Uh, my bad. Fair-colored. You know, maybe that's offensive now. <laughs> that sounded worse. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Whatever they want to be called nowadays, some of them consider themselves dark skin. Jamal. She was a black woman. A black Melanated female <laughs> specimen. <laughs> she was just she, she was just in shock and awe, just like looking at me like with shame and disgrace. Like how dare I? I shouldn't have a voice. Like I mean, I saw it out of the corner of my eyes, but I was just ignoring. It. And then she like she had like a little attitude, you know. She was like like Where is he from? You know, what is why is he doing? And it's like I just feel like we're not comfortable enough. Just I don't know. One, I think we need to be comfortable with looking silly because a lot of people get shy and killed over egos and doing stupid stuff because their egos but man I want a little tangent here but I think I think say it let it out bro. yeah let it it's out. just like I think we're a little too sensitive like when it comes to stuff like that we want to protect each other's feelings and like it, it becomes so much to where it's like you know like you're no longer running around in safety scissors you're bundling your child up in like a gigantic sweater and they're overheating now like like you you, you save them from the scissors congratulations but now your child's dying from heat stroke because you you want to protect them too much um, it's just it just feels like we're we're way too protective of certain things and we we're like kind of scared to like learn and laugh and hear new thoughts and opinions. So I, what I've learned really at an HBCU is is like 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 Leek said, just kind of like observe, stay back. But like I've learned that we gotta like really change the way we, how we learn and and the way that we learn because um, I said the last time I was on here we're not really like taught you know how to think we're taught what to think so. Right. That's just that's my little TED talk. Uh, right there. Um, Jamal, that's very interesting that you uh, bring that up because um, when when you were saying all those slurs, 
uh, she was looking at you um, like crazy. He was like, "Where is he from? Where? And what song and, do you rap?" And <laughs> and I understand her saying that because if I if I heard some of the slurs that you were saying and I never heard them before, <laughs> I, I would you know I would be taken aback as well. Especially if I'm not used to hearing them on on a, on a regular on a regularly occurring basis. But it's like, um. Sometimes I feel like as black people, we need to be a little more comfortable with uh, with um, making. I don't. I don't want to say making a fool of ourselves, but just like joking, yeah. And just being able to like like let your like like let your inner self, let your inner child, um, run. I'm not gonna say run rampant. Like, I don't know exactly the words. I don't know exactly, like, the, the words that I can describe what I'm trying to say. But I'll give an example. Like, at basketball games, like, we be trying to act all cool, bro. When when something's happening, everybody be trying to act all cool. Everybody be trying to, like, people don't like expressing themselves in that in that type of manner. And I, and I, and I, don't, I wouldn't say black people. I feel like that's really a Howard thing. Because I know at other, at other HBCUs, like, like Chandler, I, I know down south, like they be, they probably be getting rowdy, don't they? Good old boys, yes sir. They yeah, be. like they, they, they be getting rowdy, bro. This could be a whole podcast, just Howard culture. I mean, we do have an episode titled Howard Culture. Um, that's episode fifty. Uh, hold on, let me get some, let me get this promo on real quick. Uh, uh, episode fifty three with DJ AC goes so so. Uh, go check that out. But I think we do need to be a little more um, loose, because I mean. I'll go crazy at a hoop game, bro. I don't give a fuck, bro. But people will sometimes kind of look at you crazy if, if you're having fun. Yeah, like, keep up your little proper image. I mean, a lot of these kids are legacy kids, but, you know, we're not going to get into that. We're not going to get to that. Um, we don't have to, I don't want to anger your audience. <laughs> you're not going to anger my audience. <laughs> Ego is the enemy. I mean, hey, Jamal, you can keep going. Our, our audience is very... Oh, okay. Anyways, Howard, this is one of the most privileged, stuck-up, they, they, they pretend they're not stuck up. They're definitely one of the most stuck up. 70% women, a lot of them are from affluent households, um, legacy children, you know, have connections with a lot of celebrity people. Like, celebrity kids go here. So it's like, it makes sense why this, like, bougie uh, little thing that they, I guess, culture that they have going. But it's, it, it's very elitist. It's very annoying because it's like, like, you know, when we start, like, why, why a big part of that reason why that, like, lost year feels so big for us, and, like, it's because, like, one, like, I know most people, like, they have to take a couple years to get acclimated or comfortable in a certain environment, and, like, we kind of got stripped away, like, our freshman year as we were getting acclimated and comfortable in the environment, whereas these other people who have, you know, been running for presidents and all this, getting all these offices, they already had these connections, they had already done this stuff, they had already clicked up before, and they had already had their little, like, groups and stuff. So it just right. felt very, like, like, you know, how do I even get my foot in the door, you know, like, around, like, in the social network of Howard if everyone's already met up? You know, Jamal, that's something that's, I'm glad you said that because that's something that I I, I agree with. Um, and I feel like for, for people who didn't have prior connections coming to this school, people who didn't really have a clear idea of what they wanted to do coming to this school, I, I can speak for myself, like, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And because of this, I didn't join organizations that would allow me to pursue my goals more. Mm-hmm. Or I didn't, I didn't, I just, 
I was just kind of floating. Mm. I was just floating around. I was just kind of just, you know, going to class, going Drifting. back, going back to my room, playing Madden. Yeah. Not, not, not really um, acclimating myself into the school environment. But when when COVID happened in second semester freshman year, I was really starting to get comfortable at Howard. I was really starting to like, okay, like I really feel like a Howard student now, and it got taken away. While there are plenty of people who, um, who you know, I'm a first generation college student, so I didn't really have, get a lot of advice on what to do and what not to do. While you had, you know, like um, kids whose whose parents went to college, kids whose parents went to Howard, you know, them being legacy kids, they they already knew which organizations to to join, who to talk to, where to go, scholarship, right? And like, I feel like. Like one of the biggest like Texas Howard's like donor scholarships. That stuff is like there's just so much money that goes unused and you literally don't hear about it unless someone like literally puts you onto it. Like it's ridiculous. Right. Or they, or they send a mass email out for a donor oh, scholarship. Drop the shark, you know, drop drop the little fish in the water. The hungry sharks, it's over <laughs> like this. Right, bro. And I I think that's um that's something that kinda it hurts me because okay, we didn't have the whole sophomore year. So when when we come back we're already like even more. We we're even more behind, because we don't even. Because you got people who've already since since we're uh, we came back as juniors, people in our class are starting to come into leadership positions, mm-hmm. and you know a lot of us who wasn't really in the loop, we coming back, and we're like, okay, now how do I? Like I'm, I feel like a freshman. Like <laughs> I, 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 I feel like a freshman. I'm I'm starting to okay. I need to get used to Howard again. Well, you got people who are already in positions trying trying to um, do whatever they want to do, and like. I um I just I and I I've I've applied for for uh, an organization at Ed Howard when I wanted to make a change and stuff like that. I'm not I'm not gonna call them out, but you know I, I feel like I could really help. I I care, but like I didn't know the right people. Mm-hmm. I didn't know the right people, so and I see other people who who be in those positions who really don't even care about 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 helping people. They just wanted to they just add it as another. It looked good on the resume, right? Another thing on their resume, bro. And I know for me, like like you said earlier, like we, we came back home, we was working. Mm-hmm. During the pandemic, I kind of disconnected myself from Howard a little bit. Like, I was just strictly I was focused on home. Mm-hmm. All my homies from, from Howard, you know, I was still talking to y'all, but I was really just focused on uh on just was working, working out, just like pretty much myself, worried, worried about the podcast. I really kind of, I wasn't focused on Howard. While there are people here who really, who really were focused on it, or who who were still connected in, who who were still connected with with the institution, mm-hmm. you know. And it's just um, that's just really an as that's really an aspect of an, an aspect of another uh, part of school that we miss, bro. Um, not being able to establish ourselves as the as the leaders that we wanted to, and I find myself trying to kind of scramble. Now in my last few years, and well, in my last semester, here trying to um, make an impact. Yeah, because like we were like very privy of it, like in our upcoming years. But now we kind of like got it down pat to like whenever I have a, not even whenever I have a child or anything, or if if I ever influence or let somebody know about coming to Howard, I know like the I know exactly what to tell them to be looking for, exactly what to tell them to go up in there to do because now I feel like I kind of got a little bit of the blueprint but at first I was just like I was like you bro I was I was floating like I kind of know like all right I'm going to HBCU but like I ain't know 
I them first freshman years, bro. I ain't joined. I didn't get in no organizations, and I hated. I hated that I didn't. Like looking back at it. But going in there, I was like, shoot, I ain't trying to get into organization. I'm trying to understand college. I'm trying to, right. I'm trying to yeah. learn this flow. I'm trying to learn this flow. But, but you know, it, you know, it, it's, it's all right. It, it's, it's whatever. It's, it happened. You know? It happened, you know. It is. And it that's is. something that I really kind of regret. I, it took me a while to really feel like a student at this school. I'm not going to lie. First semester, I really, um, I didn't really feel like, I'm not going to say I didn't feel like I belonged. But I feel like I wasn't like I couldn't I wasn't my best self uh, here yet. I remember Chandler, you was kind of saying the same thing. Yeah, I was thinking about transferring back. Like it's crazy how everything happens, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I hadn't met, if me and LJ hadn't sat by each other in that math class that one day, like I probably wouldn't even be here right now. For real, what, what went down? Just wasn't. I was floating. Uh-huh. I was like, man, I am not enjoying myself. Um. It's just not. It it's not what I thought it was. Okay. What I thought it would be. Right. Um, so I was like, man, for all this, I could just go back home. I could go to Xavier or Southern or even LSU and just be fine. At least I have my homies around, mm-hmm. type thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Did you um when when you saw LJ in math class? Did you come back to Drew after with us with him? Uh. Or did he not just invite you to play Madden? I think it, he just invited me to play Madden because we, we ended up walking back to Drew after a class. Um, and then I think I went back to my room. He went back to his room. But I think, like, it was like a come up, we'll pull up later today. We're playing Madden kind of thing. That's crazy. Um, yeah. For those listening right now, LJ is my roommate and um, a good friend of all of us. He, <laughs> he went back to Houston on, uh, on Monday. But um, he, bro, when – I I remember I I remember I was doing work in in um, HSL mm-hmm. and, and and LJ called me he was like hey yo bro I met the dude in my math class his name Chandler he actually good at Madden bro like 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 uh, bro, you, like like bro you gotta uh, come back and play him I didn't know this <laughs> <laughs> he was like bro you gotta come back and play him and I was like for real I was excited because you know it'd be kind of hard to find Madden comp out here because you know for those who don't know we be playing Madden for real. Yeah, we do be on it. <laughs> we get we, to it. And in freshman year, we was yeah, really was, playing for real. Was I, a I, whole nother level. I was really playing for real. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I I definitely did beat Chandler though. Um, Cover four show too. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, winning a game in Madden was like a license to talk trash as much as you wanted, <laughs> and that was invaluable in those days. Yeah, <laughs> But Joe's obnoxious though. Like Joe talks so much trash, and you know it felt felt good to beat him. Felt good to beat him that one time and go into retirement. Oh yeah, it felt felt real good. Oh yeah, real good. Oh yeah, that's all I needed. One, that's all I needed. You I know, talk. You yeah, know, that, that that freshman year, Madden, that boy Josiah Jacobs was some different. <laughs> he was some different. I tell you, using the 49ers, that boy, that boy was some different. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. That was my prime. That's that's when I was like for real. That's when I was playing Madden for real, bro. Like I was playing that. I was playing that when I like when I was playing y'all, and I was playing that by myself. Fresh out of high school. Fresh, Fresh out, out of high school. He, he knew he was coming to Howard. If that's one thing, he knew he was coming to Howard. Then we'll throw some heads and Madden. Like he like, hey, I know I'm coming in with that. Ain't nobody messing with me. What oh, would man. the world have turned out like if the 49ers won that year? Oh my god. <laughs> Skies were burnt. Uh, 
that won the Super Bowl, bro, like, like, bro, you know how much different our lives would be. You know bro, how my much cousin didn't let that. Happen. You would have took that to the grave. <laughs> you would have because 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 <laughs> one of the biggest things y'all be saying to me is like, damn, Joe, you'll never see the Niners in the Super Bowl in college. Like, yeah, y'all, y'all always gonna say that. Y'all always gonna say that. But Malik, bro, you should have seen that. Like in Drew when we lost, bro. <laughs> like it, it was actually dude. like it was a crazy environment. I had like ten niggas in my room rooting for my team to lose. I know that. I know how that feeling oh, is. Oh, ten in the fourth. That was the choke job. Man, that's yeah. crazy. You used to be known for choking in Madden too, and now that title has been passed on. Yeah, I'm, I play like the Niners in real life. Like I, I, I blow leads. Um, <laughs> I take art. I, I don't throw the I don't throw the deep ball. <laughs> Bro, Short pass, stick to the run game. Stick to the run game. Bro, uh, man, freshman year, bro, that's definitely some good times. And and although I, I do wish I was I was a little more active um, on campus, I, and those those Madden phase, it was definitely fun. And going going up to Cook and playing and playing that boy in the league. Oh my goodness, man. How many times you beat me freshman year? Uh, I can count it on my hand. One hand. Probably about four <laughs> fingers. It's probably about like... Damn near a thumb. Probably. <laughs> no, type, type, no, no. He's not lying. He's not lying. He's not lying. I probably only got you like one good time. I, I've honestly... I feel like I was the best from where I came from for sure. But I've never... I, I ain't never played no one like you. You know, I could get Josiah. Me and Josiah go back. I mean, me and LJ go back and forth. Every once in a while, but Joe was just that, that was an automatic L for me. No, that's how it was. Like me and LJ, man, we used to play a lot, and LJ is really good. But mm-hmm. I always had the edge. I had the definitive edge over LJ. He did freshman year. Now, freshman now year. it's just definitely it's more back and forth. But now the team yeah, yeah, was, was smacking each other back and forth for a minute. Now that Ian Leak is back, nah, I'm not, huh? I was gonna say it's different because. When you're playing on the same TV screen, you can't. No, There's no, like no, 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 I see. You can't. I can't. I can't. I can't call my QB sneak. Everyone sees okay. me go inside run, QB run. <laughs> no, <Nah, Yeah>. like, <laughs> there are certain things that you can't do on when you're on the same screen. Like you, it's hard to run a read option because because you like it's like even if you're not looking at the play, we like you you see it on the screen. Like you and, you see the orange yeah. play <laughs> right there. You see the orange thing. Yeah. And you designate that mic, it's over. Like, like you, like they, it's like, all right, okay, he's running it. Like, right, exactly. It's like, and then it's like, you can't run man because there's going to be a gigantic flashing line to your linebacker and that running back. Right, right. And saying, hit him, hit him. Right, hit him. right, bro, on God. On God. Like, even like when you're making adjustments. You can't even disguise coverage. And you usually, like, you go to the sky, the coach cam to see the adjustments on the screen to see. You can't even do that because it's like, this man's going to know exactly what I'm running. Right. And the thing I hate about LJ, like, LJ will not look away at your screen, bro. Yeah. Like, he will look right at your screen when you picking your play, bro. He, like, he, he, and I don't know if he does it on purpose, but he just don't be, like, aware. He just no remorse, he, he just be looking. I, I, Me and Malik, bro, I, 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 Malik be making a real effort to not look at the screen when yeah, he's playing, bro. I, I try to turn around and I, not, not look. I look keep my phone. head down. But... It it be it be important though, like like I don't know. I do have to look at what formation you come out in, cause that's what's gonna have to dictate. But like when you playing side by side next to somebody, man, it, it 
there is things that you can't do. Like if you it's, see somebody dropping his old coverages back twenty, you like, okay, I'm gonna just throw it right. Exactly. No, like, no, like, bro, you, no. You that's that's a big thing, bro. That's a big thing. That. That, that's. Yeah. That's something that we can't even take advantage of, like exactly. like dropping the, the the hooks and the curls in specific zones, right? Because right. if you if if you you're gonna see me pick twenty, yeah, so you're gonna just gonna throw it short. <laughs> yeah, like I'm. But that's how it, for, it forces you to either run the ball or just throw underneath all game. That's what playing split screen does, mm-hmm. I think at least. It 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 uh it comes down to how much you know the person you play. When you playing side by side split screen, it's gonna come down to how well you know the person you playing. Because if you see him come out in that formation, <laughs> it's not that many adjustments he gonna make up on the screen. <laughs> it's gonna come down to do you know which play he could be running in this formation or not? Bro, it's like motions don't work because it's like even the plays with designed motions, it's like you just instantly know because he you can say, oh, okay, he didn't press B and move over to that wide receiver. It's probably mountain power zone strong. I was like, okay, yeah. guess run. As soon as I see a guess run, all right, all right, play action, motion the running back out of the backfield. Oh, he's doing play action deep cross flat or something stupid like that. Guess pass. Like, it's just candy. No, bro, that's something that pissed me off because like, I truly believe that I am, I am a better Madden player than LJ. Mm-hmm. But he the... Since we play on the same screen mm-hmm. and he knows everything I do, mm-hmm. they it, it it lessens it a little bit. Cause there will be times when like, I literally beat myself when I play LJ a lot. Like mm-hmm. I'll throw like a pick because cause he kind of knows what I'm about to do. He he has a very good understanding of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But when I play his offense, I shut him down. And and it's cause like me, you know, I played LJ at this point like like probably over a thousand times, bro. Like, hey, hey, like, hey, like hey. we we know each other's tendencies like <laughs> like down down to the core, bro. Down to the core. All the games we played freshman year. All the games that we played in, in this apartment. This year, hundred percent. Joe Joe took a Joe took a break one year, man. You took a break for a year and you didn't play a Madden. You actually uh I think it was the year before this one. Was it the year before this one? You didn't play to like the end of the year. Like the end of the year Madden. Um I wanted to say it was the year I did take a break. I did. Um I'm trying to remember. I definitely took a break. Twenty one for sure. We wasn't okay. Me and LJ, we wasn't playing Madden last semester. Like no fall semester last year. Fall semester last year, exactly. We wasn't playing it at all. Right. We we started playing again in the spring. Late spring though, it had to be. It was like it was like late spring. Um, I think it might have been. I think it might have been like mid spring because me and LJ, we was playing like MLB. Really? A fall okay. semester last year. That, that's last what we was playing. MLB and FIFA. Yeah, yeah. MLB, FIFA. That's what. That's what we was playing. Um. Spring semester, we wasn't. That's when we started playing Madden again. Mm-hmm. That's when we was like, all right, let's just time it. Okay, we started playing and it was like, them competitive juices start flowing again. But yeah, I did take a break. And like, the only time I really play now is against, is when I'm playing y'all. So mm-hmm. I don't really, I'm not, I'm, I don't be in my franchise um, stuff, like learning all, all the plays I like. Right, right. Like right. I used to, I, I like, I, I kind of, I kind of learn what I like when I'm playing y'all. Mm-hmm. I got you, I got you. You know, so I'm definitely not as a, not as not as deep into it, but it, it's Madden, so I'm I'm always gonna be good to to a certain degree. Yeah, I guess I'm always gonna be good to it at it. But there's something else that I want to talk about. Um, <laughs> this is definitely gonna be a controversial one. Um, and, uh, Meg the Stallion, uh, Tory Lanes. Um, okay, we'll talk right, about right. it now. Yeah. All right. Okay. He shot at the ground. <laughs> the bullet ricocheted and gave her a flesh wound. That's what happened. 
That's it. That's it. She was shot. She was ricocheted. Really? That's my theory. Oh, that's your theory. Okay. We said buy one go. What you think, Chandler? Man, <laughs> I could be wrong. Wait, I got a question before you say something. Didn't What's he up? go to? He, they're no. on trial right now, right? They're yeah. in trial right now. That's why Wait, I asked if you want to talk. Yeah, yeah, no, they're in trial right now. Yeah, okay. That's why I asked if you want to talk about it. Yeah, that's Wait. why. I, okay, okay, I thought so. I thought so. Wait, wait, like criminal? Yeah, this is a criminal case. I thought she didn't talk. Bro, no, nah, like she actually went on uh, the stand today. Right. Oh, she crazy. Yeah, like she today. academics was like was was posting like all the highlights for me. And right. to, that 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 uh, uh that little video of her crying saying she didn't want to like report see a black man go down. That needs to be all over Twitter right now. Nah, she lied. That's that's what I'm hearing. That's what I'm hearing. And that's why when you said said your theory, I was like, okay, it's a theory. Like I was like, all right, I thought this was going on right now. And I'm hearing a lot that about how it is that. She had lied. Now I do remember her saying that they didn't have any uh, sexual relation that they weren't in a relationship. She did say that. Now she but said she hopped on an she, interview and said that. Who was yeah. that? Gail King. She asked her, "Did you ever have an intimate relationship with Tory Lanez?" Wait, wait. This done got Gail King interviewing it. She, yeah, she. That was this was like a minute ago. This was a minute ago. Like, man, this like, story crazy. I ain't even. Let me. Yeah, <laughs> she asked her straight up, "Did you have an intimate relationship with Tory Lanez right. ever?" And she said no. And I'm like, and all the black women was like, they was, <laughs> and everybody wanted to just pile it on Tory, pile it on Tory. Come, come to find out, she did. Cause she went to trial today, and she said that she said that they did. I it, I think that came out. Yes, well, we no nah, no nah, she um she uh what happened she she was talking to somebody about it, bro. Okay, I think in the, um. I can't remember, but but she did say that. Um, let me go to academics page right now, bro. Okay. Because I I, I, um, I, I, I kind of want to know like uh, why why she why 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 the why the story would be not accurate from both sides. Mm-hmm. But so, supposedly. Um, they were at a Kylie Jenner party. Okay. And then um, they started arguing, whatever. This from this from the video that I saw mm-hmm. of one of the guys that was in the trial. And so, um, basically, Tori was trying to get at Kylie, and then Megan wasn't going for it, and her friend was backing her up. So Tori was like, "Why are you backing her up when she goes behind you messing with the same dudes?" Type. And so it was like, it was the baby, and Ben Simmons got thrown in there too. He caught stray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Yeah, Ben he Simmons did, got thrown. Yeah, yeah, Wait, Ben? Ben, ben and Megan? Yeah. That's probably why he hadn't played the same. Man, that's it. That, 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 <laughs> and uh, God, she's dating needs to be. <laughs> man, needs to be questioned. How are you gonna like this? <laughs> and Tory Lanez. So. Hot man. girl summer. Yeah. Hey man, she she don't discriminate. She is really body positive, man. That's the most body positive woman I've ever met in my life. How's she gonna go five four to six ten? That's crazy. Jamal, go to hell. Five, four, That's crazy. The baby by like five five six two. <laughs> that, that that is crazy. But like stand right. on my money. Now I'm six six. <laughs> 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 
She took advantage of Tori not being able to speak on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's really what it was. Really what it was. It's just the culture, the black culture, <laughs> <laughs> finding another black man to crucify. It is what it is, man. But it's, it's the same thing with the. I know this is kind of unrelated. Sacrifice must be made once a month. The sacrifice <laughs> must be made. It's the same thing with the Ime Udoka thing. Like nobody, everyone finds fault with him, but nobody hey. talks about the wife, the guy's wife, whoever it was in the organization. Or he was him. pretty high up in the organization. Pretty high yeah, up, yeah, yeah. In in his house or in their house, that's horrible. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that. Bro, bro, I didn't know that one. I didn't know that one. Wait, what? Bro, so, uh, um, how I'm what I what I heard, I'm pretty sure is like. They were caught on the on 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 the um, what's that caption? Nah, the the hose ring, the um the uh, the ring, the uh, house ring, whatever. You you know, people be having that that, that security stuff. Yeah, Yeah, like they they got caught on that. Man, my goodness, like that's horrible. That's Uh, that's horrible. This is what Tory Lanez's third time being the uh, the lynching Negro of the month. Crazy, bro. I wait. So hold on, Chandler. So the, when she like took a, she her taking advantage of him not being able to talk with it is that like coming to backfire her now because what she was saying was like false. Yeah, hundred percent. Is that that's what that's what it is right now. Hundred percent. Yeah. And people are finding out like, damn, what 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 she was saying is false. Yeah, and all, all the dudes pretty much knew it, mm-hmm. or if they don't, they definitely do now. But the girls are still like. I remember there was, in some of the evidence, um, there was gunshot residue on Tory Lanez and her friend. Okay. But uh, you can have gunshot residue on you and not have fired the weapon. Like you just need to be near the weapon when it actually discharged. Mm-hmm. Uh, so was they like fighting them? The story is supposedly uh, Megan and her friend were fighting. I'm not exactly sure what part Tori played, but mm. uh, what what day is this? Is in the trial? Is this day two? Yeah, today was just today day was day two. Yeah. Okay, okay. I'm I'm gonna go back and look at day one. I definitely have been seeing a lot on my uh, social media. As far as like, uh, like I said, a lot that I have seen was a lot about um, Megan saying uh, false things, saying false things about um, you know just their whole. Just their whole relationship. Um, I can't wait to uh, actually go look and uh, deep dive into the facts and see what what it was that was going on. This is man for for our generation, especially in the black community. This is about to be like our OJ case. HBCU graduate, Higgin B. Stallion, Texas Southern. Shout out my sister. My sister go to TSU. Yes, sir. HBCU students are finessing, boy. I tell you, like, I, I, know, I know I go here. I know how to finesse. She over there doing it in a whole other way. Because if that's what it is, man. I, like I said, I'm going to go look at I'm going to go look at day one and uh, see what went down that day in trial in court. Yeah. 
Nah, I'm not gonna. The thing about the whole Meg the Stallion versus Tory Lanez case, I, I don't, I don't know who to believe because I mean it's not, it's, it's not really for me to know because the trial isn't done yet. Right, you know? right, right, right. That's, that's why I'm hesitant. It's just not, yeah. it's not for me to have an opinion on. But my issue was a lot of, a lot of these women was out here like acting with a completely saying that Meg got shot by Tory Lanez. Like and it's it's documented that she was treated for glass in her foot. Correct. There's no way you get shot in the foot. And it's on medical records that you got treated for broken glass. I mean it could have been like if going by her, her original statement, um Oof. which is, you know, she lied because she didn't want to see a black man, you know, have have the unnecessary interaction with the police or anything like that. Which I mean, that was right after the George Floyd stuff, if I'm correct. So it it it, it seems very believable to me. I think she has a good PR team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Bro, I don't want to. Bro, it's just like my my thing is, I was talking to my friend, and I was talking to her about this situation, and she was like, she was like calling me all types of names just because I said I don't know just because I didn't side with Megan Thee Stallion it's like like I mean th- there was a point I mean if there was a point and you probably still like if, if you hop on Twitter and, and you say I don't think Meg was shot by Tori a lot of people will a lot of women will will, will, will say some mean things to you what are you a misogynist yeah believe all women but like in that same point it's also like like I feel like there are some people who would come out like being like Tori didn't shoot her, you know. It's like I mean we don't know. Like it's like I don't I don't I don't think the right thing was to choose a side. I think the right thing was just kind of like be neutral, wait for the fact. Right, and and that's that's what I'm saying. Like 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 being in this situation, being neutral got you like people call you an incel, people call yeah. you a misogynist, and that was my issue with it, bro. Because like you you don't if the situation was flipped. And 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 Tori and, and Meg Thee Stallion shot somebody, y'all y'all wouldn't have that same opinion. Y'all be like Meg did not do that, and y'all you guys are only siding with her because because you guys idolize her so much and she's a woman, which is my issue with it. Like a lot of that is lies is founded in emotion and not logic. And how can you base and how can you say all say all these types of things to people when when you're arguing for something that we don't even know? Like mm-hmm. like this this situation is going to court. Yeah right right. It's going to court for a reason. If it was definitive, then then that would be a different conversation. But it's going to court for a reason because people actually don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. This would be able to go into court. Would be able to give the clear cut answer to be like, okay, this shit was this was either right or not right. We'll find out. Mm-hmm. And it, it, what's so it's so crazy because I mean like, all right, these are like multi million not uh, multi millionaire like superstars like the legal teams, PR teams that can like you know, fabricate anything they really want or say anything. But it's just like, like the believe all women type of thing or like <laughs> our believe victim mentality. It's like, there's always that, there. there's always like the argument with that, like from the other side, but why people are against it is always like, you know, like what if that, what if someone just lies, right? Like what if someone lies? Like, it, And that does ruin people's lives and people have had their lives ruined. It's just like, it's just so hard to like, I don't know, like, 
to not want to choose a side, right? To not want to choose a side and say, okay, this is, they're lying or, you know, they did this because you, like, so many people's lives are at stake, right? You can ruin people's scholarships, lives, jobs, careers. It's just, like, a dangerous thing. It's just, like, so my question, I guess, is, like, 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 what do you do? Do you just wait? Like, like, like. Yeah, and I think that's one of the most difficult things about law is how long it takes mm-hmm. and how, how long it takes for all this stuff to actually be settled because, uh, it's been two years. Yeah, I, I feel like we've been arguing about this down there all the college, and it's shit, it's not gonna be done for a minute. So, you know, it's, it, I, I would rather go through this process rather than. I mean, I guess Tory Lanez can afford to have his image tarnished. Um, because like even think of the guy that just committed suicide at Disney World. Or Disneyland, uh, like it one bad night with his wife and his life got ruined. Uh, yeah, bro, that was horrible, so, bro. Yeah. Uh, what what happened with that? Supposedly he got in a fight with his wife. She uh, called the cops on him. Yeah, she called the cops. So he ended up. He was, I think, he was a high school teacher. And yeah, no, he was like a uh, like a superintendent or a something. superintendent. Yeah. He, he some it's like he had some some position of authority. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he ended up losing his job, and they said they were gonna like reinstate him wow. once it, everything got settled or whatever. And and she she called the police on him, even though like he didn't put like any hands on her or something like that. She was just she was scared, so so she called the cops on him, yeah, and he was detained. And um, and yeah, he lost his job, so and he jumped off a um, off was it was a Disneyland or Disney World? I can't remember. I, I, I don't yeah. remember. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, he, he killed himself because of that. And he, he left like a really long suicide note over it. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, his wife would probably feel like. I not, hate my mom. I would never speak to her again. Ever. Goodness, that's terrible. Bro, and that stuff happens kind of a lot, bro. Like, like wives will call um, with the police on, on their husband who um, hasn't done anything. Yeah, it's a very um, it's a very very sad scenario, um, and it's just uh, it kind of makes me uh, well, kind of going back to the same um topic with like Megan Tory, and kind of one of the biggest things that people kind of that kind of irked me was the whole uh, why aren't you why aren't you protecting black women at this point when it. <laughs> but, hey, this is an audio podcast, but that way Chandler just got up and started walking around the room when I said that. <laughs> and his head. Uh, like the the whole the whole protect black women um conversation, it kind of like in that in that instance, it kind of like annoys me because it's like, yeah, we yeah we yeah we want to protect y'all, but in that situation we can't just do it blindly. And at the same time, are y'all protecting us? No, it's not about black women protecting us. It's I put it like this: you can't protect something you don't have authority over. You can't protect something you don't have authority over. Elaborate, please. <laughs> Jamal, you're hilarious, man. Um, so. 
I know this isn't the same exact scenario, but think of like a biological father versus a stepfather, right? Biological father, your kids are gonna feel tied to you whether you're a deadbeat or not, right? Like you could, like there's been a story of like this girl having her stepfather in her life from like very, very young, but she wanted her father to be there for the wedding and walk her down the aisle, stuff like that. Um, and even when you're like disciplining your children, a stepfather, there's like a line that can't be crossed. It's an invisible line. Nowadays, there's an invisible line, right? But think back 40, 50 years, right? Whether this man is your biological father or not, your mother accepts, accepts his authority as being the top authority in the house. So what he says goes, right? So because he's going to work, he's making sure we have everything taken care of. Yes, he can do X, Y, and Z if he sees fit and it's for the betterment of the family. So in the same way, like today with women, they're just, for lack of a better term, running around the streets. They're not, they're not looking to be under their protection or provisioning or leadership of a man. They're trying to have those same things for themselves. They're trying to flip the tables, if you will. Um, so you can't, with protection comes like uh, a certain giving up of freedom. Mm. Mm. A certain giving up of freedom. I, 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 not freedom, but autonomy. Autonomy. Yeah, autonomy. And, and you're saying that 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 autonomy is something that that women aren't willing to give up, like or modern women aren't willing. To modern give women up. aren't willing to give up. Right, because in order, in order to allow somebody to to protect you, you have to be willing to like, kind of like allow them to. Yeah. It's because like I, I I mean I can't protect you if if you don't want to be protected if by you don't me. Be protected. And then there's count too many people, too many black men are in the grave because some woman in their life did something called them about it and then they went to see somebody another man about it and now they're dead just like that shout out Sarge when you peep shout out to Sarge man <laughs> but yeah that's that's a reality for way too many people um, and our, our culture or our subculture is just it's all out of whack and when you when you analyze it you don't see women that want protection or women that even value protection from black men. So, yeah. So, to briefly, like, okay, briefly comment on, like, that, um, it's not, not, not on your point. You, you did mention, like, like, um, the stepdad and, like, dad, I guess, like, dynamic, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and then you, like, talked about kind of, like, 40, 50 years ago. It's like, it's very funny, like, like, almost, like, 70, you know, like, that's where they're like the well the term you know it takes a it takes a village to raise a child has been around for like ever but it's also like it felt like it was a lot more like i don't know feasible or like seeable like visible i guess um like 
Like, my dad would tell me, like, stories. Like, if he got caught outside, you know, past his curfew, his neighbors would take him inside and beat him. Like, like they would punish. Like, like the community had, like, I guess, free range and, like, like you know, to, like, raise that child. But I just want to, like, add, add a little, like, side comment yeah. on that. That's something we kind of, like, lost today. Integration changed that. Yeah. So, well, I mean, we don't really have, like... This, that, Really? Yeah. Hey, they talk about it in that book? They don't talk about the integration, but they do talk about, like, the, um, like, the scary parenting, like, the fear of parenting, and, like, how we no longer, like, have the communal, like, raising of it, but. Yeah, I mean, we don't, but why, why is that, though? It's, like, is that because American society is, like, more individualistic now, or what? Like, like I was saying earlier, it's, it's, like, that, um. It's like, 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 well, first starts with taking the scissors from the child, right? You take the scissors so they don't run around that. Then you give them safety scissors. They're like, safety scissors are still too dangerous. So, you know, you, you like wrap the entire house in bubble wrap and then you start wrapping the child up in like a a straight jacket and then another blanket. And then it's like, it's like to where it's like so much overprotection. It's like, like, you know, it's just, it's too much of a shell. The child can't even like grow out of the shell. Right. But I just want to get back to Chandler's point too. About the, I guess the, the social contract that's being signed there. Like, do you feel that the current like culture, let's say, I guess not, I guess you know what, screw it, empowerment, right? Like that that empowerment <laughs> movement, right? Like this, For like women? yeah, like the kind of like the hot girl summer, you know the, you know. I do what I want when I want type of thing, right? I mean, every right to. But, like, do you kind of feel like that is some of those, like, things that, like, need to be, not maybe not, not gone, but, you know, addressed before we can have, like, I guess, really good conversations or actively do what they want when it comes to protection uh i wouldn't well first i wouldn't say that's empowerment i would say that's degeneracy and it's at a wholesale price but um and i I, there'll always be a market for that kind of stuff uh just because that's there's always going to be a vice in our society Uh, but i would say the first step, shout out to Sarge once more. Um, the first step would be getting resources to black men. Because uh, it's <laughs> it's kind of like a, he says, Sarge um, frames it as a busy assignment when they say, uh, we won't go under the leadership of a black man because you don't have resources. But when you look at a lot of programs today, it's all targeted towards women and black women. It is. So it's like, how do you put resources back in a black man's hands consistently? Because it's one thing to get resources and start a community, but it's another thing to, to get the resources to start and then maintain that community. Um, actually have a community. Yeah. So I would say that's the first part. Um, we need resources. We need resources. Women respect resources. So, yeah. But even even so, I I think it's in women's nature to want that 
and to desire that. But I wouldn't even say it's impossible to have that dynamic and it be healthy today, even with women having resources. Because it's just the natural order of things in, in nature to have the male at the top, the female just below, the children below that. But a SWAT team gonna come in for that statement right there. <laughs> you saying the patriarchy is good or something? Man? It's good. It's good for you. Man, it's, it's good for you. It's good for you. It's good for you. Yeah. You know. You know. One thing that I wish right now. I wish. I wish there was a woman sitting here. I do too. Who could refute that? I do too. Yeah. I. I, I really. I really. I wish Lauren was able to pull up. I wish. Shout out, man. Shout out to Lauren Jackson. You, I know you didn't want me to shout you out, but I'm going to do it anyway. Miss Jackson? Miss Jackson. Miss Jackson? She was is supposed she... to pull up, man. Yeah. What? Yeah, she's she going to be in this episode. Up. Wow. Yeah. Miss Jackson? She had a prior engagement, though, so we're going to let it slide. Um, That would have been yeah. very interesting. As a matter of fact, this is like divine timing. Um, I was explaining how... Uh, I was explaining this to Lauren and uh, Kayla, one of my friends that's an accounting major. Oh, my And I was telling them um, that I was telling my girlfriend that uh, cooking is something that's really important for me, for, like, a woman that's going to be in my life long term. So that's something that I want her to do because um, that's important um, not only for me, but in order to create a home, transform a house to a home, raise kids, things like that. Um, and also to be, just be something to do um, as a hobby. Um, cause my girlfriend now, I'm not going to name drop her, <laughs> but um, she she's a busybody and sometimes she can kind of get caught with nothing else to do outside of school. So uh, I think that would be something that would be beneficial to the relationship and to her being um, an eventual mother. Um, and so they were taken aback because I made it so clear and it seemed so traditional the way I phrased it. that They're like, oh, <laughs> oh no, I, would, I wouldn't cook for my man until he was married. That's, that's wife stuff. But I'm like, how, how can you gatekeep that? In my mind, I didn't, I was like, how can you gatekeep that um, and expect a man to like invest in you, right? So, do you are you expecting that man to provide protection to you, or any sort of provisioning, or is that just husband husband tendencies and mm. behaviors? Can you show me the car and not give me a test drive? Yeah, man, it's uh, it's 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 a weird dynamic. That's that's kind of crazy. I'm not cooking for a man unless he's my husband. Um, yeah. So I thought that was very like, like imagine if I said I'm not paying for this girl's meal unless she's my wife. Yeah, I'm not walking her home. I'm not making sure she makes it inside until she's my wife. That sounds crazy. To like, say, right? That's so crazy to say. <laughs> crazy to say. Yeah. But yeah, they were. <laughs> that is lunacy. They were taking. That it is back. mental illness. They were taking it back. And and let me provide the full story because I wasn't just like you need to learn how to cook. Yada yada. Like we and we've talked about this. I was like I'm cool with like being the only one that works while the kids are young type of thing so she can stay at home whatever, whatever. But also, um, I got her a cookbook, a fill-in cookbook, 
so that um, when we made stuff together, uh, we could like fill in the cookbook and it could be like our little thing. It's like make things out of the cookbook in the future, stuff like that. That sounds fire. I'm not. I'm, I'm yeah, man. Christmas hey, gift idea for the Christmas, Christmas gift idea for the for the men out there, man. Um, so yeah, I try to make it like fun and interactive. Like my the reels I get on Instagram even are like half food. Like it's crazy, and I'll just be like, oh, this would be nice to to make or whatever. We should try making this. So it's not just like a, oh, you need to cook and oh, you're gonna cook. It's like a, we'll do it together. I'm gonna, we're gonna invest in each other. And see it through. See, see that's that's something else. Uh, in the black community, um, I I've always I've always had, I've always had an issue with um, how historically we've been framed as. Whenever people, whenever uh, women will say things, whenever black women will be like, "This ain't the nineteen fifties, sixties. I'm not. I don't gotta do all that stuff for you no more." Um, his historically, black men have always um, played have always had a more domestic. Uh, role in the house, kind of helping black women, like, traditionally when it comes to, like, cooking, cleaning, just doing things around the household. Black women have always, um, black men have always traditionally taken up that, like, have always helped in that role. So, I feel like it's it's kind of been unfair to uh, historically paint, paint us in that light as if we were, um, as if it was the, the, the man working in the woman housewife, the house, as the housewife, because... Throughout our history, we have never been that economically prosperous to just have one person working. So it's always been two people. It's always been the man and the woman working, and and the man helping along with the household responsibilities. And like you said, Chandler, you know, you would like to do the same thing. You would you would help you would help cook and all that stuff. And like, you know, like I mean, that's that that's kind of that that African traditional that that African more communal mindset into how we operate. As, as black people, you know, like we gonna help each other. And I feel like it should be the same thing. But um, I did want to ask you about what you said earlier. You said, you said, um, man, at the man at the at the top and woman right below. Mm-hmm. I wanted you to to kind of like like clarify clarify what you what you mean by that. Because I feel like a lot of people would get that like misconstrued and and call you a, a misogynist <laughs> by by that. That's quite an endearing term these days. Oh my um, God. But uh, <laughs> uh, so I'm going to come at this from a, a biblical standpoint. So uh, the Bible t- instructs women to submit to their husbands. And then that's that's pretty used throughout the society, um, I would say. Um, but then it instructs uh, their husbands to submit to God. Uh, so if you're doing that and you vet your man properly through other men in your life. Um, that's a key word, y'all. That's, that's a key phrase. I, I feel like that would be a, a pretty good scenario. That's why. Oof, these are. That's why arranged marriages aren't bad. They're they're inherently not bad. I think they're. They you can construct a more stable society than what we've have done when we put love at the top of the bucket list for criteria for marriage. Now, let me play devil's advocate, right? Because I already know there's somebody listening to this and they're like, how is love? Is it love? It's force, right? Is it force? No, it's it's not about forcing love. It's not about love at all, actually. It's about duty. 
What if I don't want an arranged marriage? Oh, that's completely fine, but love love is not gonna make me do it's not gonna make me get up and see what that that creak in the night is. That's what duty is. Like duty is gonna be like when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to work. Like this is not college. I'm not just gonna skip work like I skip class. Like I signed up to be I asked this woman I asked this woman's father or her father figure for a hand in marriage. I went in knowing that my duty is gonna be to provide and protect for this family. So when I wake up in the morning, no matter how bad I feel, I'm gonna go to work. I'm gonna make sure my family's provided for. I'm gonna do what I can to protect my family, whatever that means for your situation. And in the same way for a woman, who <laughs> getting some dicey territory here. Uh, I'm dropping bombs today. She's gonna be that that nurturing figure, uh, most likely, um, and also, and as a part of her duty. I don't know if y'all agree with this or not. It is to make sure a man is satisfied. That is, his stomach is em- his stomach is full, and his balls are empty. <laughs> oh my gosh! That, that oh, okay. That is her duty. Jeez. Oh my! That is, that is her duty. As a person who's already been um, uh, rehabilitated through Howard University's um, sensibility. Program. <laughs> I would like to state that I stand and believe all women. Jamal, <laughs> go to hell. <laughs> and I support a woman's right to choice. And I also stand with my I do friends in the Jewish community. What'd you say? <laughs> you said what? I stand with my friends in the Jewish community. Make sure this is got, got a blanket covered. I'm safe. Which 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 Jewish community? Oh, oh. <laughs> the Ethiopian Jewish community. My man, <laughs> my brother. <laughs> yeah, uh, like just as a man has his duty to provide and protect, when a woman willingly enters into a marriage, she signs up to be the sole object of that man's sexual desire. So. Yeah. See, you know, I see, I love it. I love it. We're both from, I'm taking it out from the South. That's what they say. Being from Dallas, taking it out from the South. But, you know, we're, we're, we're both pretty close geographically, but, you know, I'm fine. I'm fine being that laissez-faire, you know, House husband, man. I, I will cook. I will clean. Let me tell you how I got this room. You know, that's 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 it. <laughs> that's it. If she she can be the breadwinner, but I feel like there's some people. You know, it's very interesting because like like just like how that's my personality, right? Like I'm okay with my my wife being the breadwinner, or um kind of like taking that role from me. Like I'm I'm fine with it. Like it doesn't hurt my ego. It doesn't hurt my pride or anything because I'm still as much of a man that I'm going because that's what not the quality that I think that makes me a man. But other people, like, value different qualities and that's what makes them a man, right? I feel like as long as you have a quality and you have a line that you know won't get crossed, that's still, like, what makes you a man and it really can't change. So I feel like just like I have that right and that choice for me to be like, okay, yeah, my wife can be the breadwinner and I can be cool with it. 
Like, you have that right and that choice, right? Because, like, no one's forcing that opinion on you. We're in America. That's what's beautiful about it. No one's going to force you to be like, all right, arrange marriages. Woman, go cook, go clean. You don't. You know what's funny, Jamal? You know I'm not going to be the breadwinner, right? Oh, well, we, we know that. We know that. We know that. I, I, forgot, I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, I forgot yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. 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 But it's, it's the thing about principle. Like, their principle yeah. doesn't change. You know? So. Mm-hmm. Here's and, a... Well, what about I say? I was going to say, even, even though she is... Or she she will make considerably more than I will. Uh, I'm still providing like that leadership to be like, okay, we'll just we'll live off of my income as much as we can, and then we'll just set aside that for the future or for something else. So, gotcha. Yeah, leadership. I mean, um, my my thing about like the whole like like male and female breadwinner thing is like. Does if if she, she's a breadwinner, is she going to respect me as much as she would if I if if she wasn't the breadwinner or if I was the breadwinner? I feel like I feel like that's that's just gonna vary from person to person, right? right. Like, mm-hmm. like right, I I have a very specific and I think pretty unique personality, like right, like, and it's like I feel like. Ew, if I meet a girl, want to meet a girl that like, she's gonna know my personality, right? Like and and like she, she like I may not be the prototypical uh, blueprint of a man's, right? Um, but I have very strong points and ideas, and I do have an ego. I haven't been an ego. I feel like that's yeah, just like you, you sure do have an ego. <laughs> I feel like I'm like like I said. I would say, you know, I I call, I'll call you the spirit animal line, but I feel like you know I, I refer to myself as a lion too, right? It's a very showmanship with the mane and stuff. It's just very prideful animal. It's just like I feel like as long as like I don't know, I feel like it would be known, right? Like I would know if she's gonna respect me or not respect me if I'm not the breadwinner. So I feel like that's something you could like test out or vet out, you know? And right, you know, like, and I feel like respect can come from different di- many different ways. Like you, you can get respect for just being like. I don't know, a, a, a good household leader, like a, a funny person, you know, awesome personality, good person to talk to. Like, there's a lot of different ways to get respect. I agree. And that's on you to get it at right. the end of the day. So, um, that's how I feel. I feel, like, I, I feel like it just depends on the person. Right. I really feel like it depends because um, sometimes I feel like as materialistic as, as our society is, I feel like people tend, people tend to boil down the only thing that matters or just like the only thing the the um the base of, of respect is like is that coincides with money mm-hmm. and i feel like a lot of time in our society i mean respect and leadership right right yeah facts um i mean like we was talking about it earlier chandler this is this is uh off off the record or off the mic um he was talking about how like nowadays as, as women start to equal men when it comes to like pay and and all that jazz uh you see a lot of articles that come out saying that that men aren't a lot of men are and men are increasingly not being able to match the standards of women when it comes to money and women are increasingly more single right God. <laughs> unmarried never married divorced yeah I, I think I seen a, um, I can't I don't know if I I think it said like 30% of women at the age of 30 are, like, single and childless. 
It might be, it might be more. No, I just want to know, you know, how many of these these graduating women, you know, have a strong black man, you know, supporting them behind them, you know, and the father figure. I just want to know. It's like it's a lot of them. For them to uh, have their well, not crusade, rehabilitation of the black man. They are saving us. They are rehabilitating us to make us better for the future. That is what I learned through my rehabilitation process. And it's not my fault. It's my parents' fault for raising me that way. The rehabilitation of the black man. You know, I kind of want to title this episode that. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of like that, bro. I'm not going to lie. I kind of like that. (laughs) Oh, man. Yo! Okay, all right. Nah, but nah, but for real though, it's like I don't know, bro. It's just it's just very interesting because I I mean like no like knowing how how women tend to date, you know, you, women usually tend to like men who are at their level or or above, like, mm-hmm. you know, and and finance plays plays a major role into that. So and then more women are are complaining, women are complaining about there not being options for them. Yeah, and a lot of and a lot of these a lot of the criteria for options. It coincides with salary. If he's not making this amount of money, then he's not the man for me. And I want to just say this while it's on my mind, men, if you're out there, don't don't get caught up with this busy assignment. Don't go out there, bust your butt, just to get a high paying job, and then you end up with no other, no other traits, no character traits, no development, no personal development other than your a doctor or you're a lawyer and that's it because at that point she's just going to view you for your money right you have you have to be a man you have to be fully developed in everything or else you're just going to be a dollar sign man i, I know someone who, who you should tell that to <laughs> oh boy oh boy oh boy who is that oh oh mm, is it a <laughs> it's not a, it's not a, it's not a this, it's a this, right? I, I'm, I'm just making sure. <laughs> Our good old buddy. Um, yeah, that's what I'd say. Because ultimately, and I got this from whew, the doctor, BOA. Um, he says, however you start with a woman is however that relationship will continue. That's facts. So if you, if you start by opening your wallet, she's going to expect and in some ways she should expect you to continue to open your wallet because um man y'all are making me come out of the closet on this one but uh he also wait, says and i think i agree with this wait, one but uh no i really i really don't talk about this stuff a lot. <laughs> i think malik is like hey, yo. i really don't talk about, i'm talking about this stuff but uh he also says um that you have to make women earn whatever you give them, right? And in in this way, women are kind of like dogs, right? Oh right? boy, oh boy, oh boy. No, just just think in a, in a behavioral way, right? Like if a dog bites you, if a think about it, if a dog bites you and you give it a treat, why would it stop biting you if you give it a treat and you pet it after? Like no, don't do that. I, I just want to I just want to say um. In the South, there's a, like a lot of analogies used, like, like, you know, like there's a lot of sayings, a lot of analogies used. We often refer to things, you know, 
in their natural way, you know, like like in the basic, most basic form that we can think of. So it's not really, I just because I just know a lot of people may not, you know, may hear these things. Yeah, you, you know, I don't mean anything. It's like, you know, like, 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 like a lot of people haven't heard the saying, you know, hogs get, uh, you know, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. You know, a lot of people don't know what that means. And it's like, you know, like, don't be greedy. It's just, just a long way of saying it. But so, like, I get what you mean, but it's just like, maybe come across jarring for our yeah. northern Thank, thank you for or 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 since this is a West Coast based podcast, you know, especially like West Coast yeah. people. But I mean, our, our listeners mm-hmm. can discern that, you know, we have a pretty smart listener base. Yeah. But um, and if you and if you hear this and you're and you have an opinion, definitely definitely let us know. Mm-hmm. Love to have you on. Yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. Hey, um, but anyways, my background or keep going because they're like dogs. Uh, no, so <laughs> <laughs> so you have to like if uh if I meet a girl for the first time and I take her to a steakhouse, right? What has she done to, to earn that that steakhouse, right? Yeah, or absolutely nothing. First impressions matter. So if I take her to Subway the next day, you know something healthy. She's gonna look at me crazy, like, why are you taking? She's gonna be like, "What the hell is this?" Yeah, her whole frame of mind is gonna be switched, right? Um. So yeah, that's why you gotta start off in the library. You gotta start off in the library, doing something, an activity, hiking, something healthy, (laughs) something very organic, (laughs) stuff like that. Like, even I keep I keep looking at a pimp by iceberg slim right here. Um, Like even. When we talk about like money not being the only uh, currency of leadership, think about a pimp. He does nothing. The woman chooses up on him, right? He only offers the woman attention, but yet she gives him everything. A pimp has no money. When you think a pimp has no money, he only has what? Uh, <laughs> about this <laughs> about the curse of the podcast. He only has what a, a working girl gives him, right? And all he provides is leadership and attention. So that's why you can see, like, the poorest of poor, like a, a, a homeless person on the street still have a woman by his side because that leadership is more valuable than, for some people, like, having a stable housing situation or even a stable job. Right, bro. I I agree. Like, money, money can get women, but it doesn't get respect. Yeah, hundred percent. And I feel like that's something that a lot of people um, have a hard time discerning, because a lot of people think that all right, once once I get hella bread, all the girls are gonna be chasing after me. But like, there is there is there is character that comes with that as well. People respect you based on your character and and the type of leader that you are. And and if you can't lead. And if you don't have those, those intangibles, so to say, mm-hmm. then it's gonna be hard for your woman to even want to stay with you or, or respect you, you know. And, and I, and I, I personally think that respect is, is the is the biggest thing in a relationship. Oh, hundred percent. everything everything boils down um, to to respect at the end of the day. Every every issue or problem that you can have in a relationship, I think it all boils down to how much each partner respects one another. Um, and I also kind of wanted to say it's like going off your point when you said women are like dogs, and you know, and I and I and I would I would I would say that I think both both genders you, you can make that analogy for both genders. Um, I feel like 
there are certain things if 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 a woman gives it to me then I'm going to expect it from from her based based off junk. Um but making this but you know for if if I if I call a girl every day when I'm first talking to her, she gonna expect that same amount of attention from me constantly mm-hmm. for the whole relationship. Or mm-hmm. for whatever whatever duration I'm talking to her. And and it's like something that you have to keep up. It's, it's the same type of thing. I feel like this goes for anything, any any. And, and with the, when when you're involved with somebody, you, you gotta be you gotta be mindful of how you uh, of the things that, that that you do because relationships a lot of time are based in like precedence. Once you start to do something, it's hard to go back. It's like once 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 your girl starts annoying you and she, and she calling you all the time, if if you don't stop it, then she gonna keep doing it. Cause you've already set the precedent for it, you know, and um, it's just that's why in relationships it's important to set boundaries. It's important to set boundaries, kind of knowing knowing what you can't. No, like each partner needs to know what the, what what they can and cannot do with one another. Um, you know, at the end of the day, all this stuff is just it's just like human behavioral psychology. You know, at the end of the day, humans and dogs do have a common ancestor. So. <laughs> very jarring. Just, just a, moment, out of a moment of silence for Man. that. <laughs> it, was, it was when I heard the, in a way, like like they say, like dogs. I was like, oh, boy. Yeah, like even <laughs> when a dog does something bad, you don't show it attention. Mm-hmm. What should you do with a woman? The same thing. You know, not not for real though, because like if if a girl talking to me crazy, like she finna get ignored, or or something. Yeah, that's that's a presence just to get disrespected, man. You, yeah, you can't. Right, you exactly. Can't exactly, and it's it's kind of like if if you get disrespected and, and you respond with with extreme emotion, she knows how to rile you up for the next one button to tick, and don't let it be in public. Oh my gosh, she gonna do that shit every time. She gonna do it every time. Oh my gosh! And you know, and if if it's in public, like, like why are you even my girl? <laughs> at that, at that point. <laughs> I'm about to get in here preaching, man. <laughs> Look, I forgot what I was gonna say. I was so ready to say it, I forgot. Oh, that's what I was gonna say. All right. Pay attention, men. If you're listening to this, pay attention to your girl's behavior, right? Because whenever she for example, disrespect you in public. She didn't. She didn't do that out of the blue. No, there are very <laughs> few women who have the audacity to disrespect a man the first time in public. So if you're being disrespected in public, it's been building up. Either you hadn't been paying attention or something. You got to be aware. You have to be aware. What's that uh, Jaheem song? Put that woman first. Saying you saying put that woman last. No, I'm not saying lies. No, but. no, no, no. It's it's because like I was having a conversation with uh, like Dorothy the other day, mm-hmm. and, and we was talking about like kind of like respect and stuff like that, and and she was asking me what what's like the big event that make a man like a man who respects himself mm-hmm. not want to deal with a woman, and I said it's not something that just comes out of nowhere. It's something that that kind of like builds. You like a, a woman isn't isn't just going like like do do some blatant big act of disrespect 
to a man who she has never disrespected before. Like she she wouldn't she wouldn't dare do that. Like nobody would do that. You you wouldn't just disrespect somebody out of out of the blue like that. It's 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 small things, you know. In in some spaces it would be called shit testing, you know. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> hey Malik, hey, I know they 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 are seeing if they're able to do this again. Exactly. They're seeing if this is gonna be And no matter how good your woman is, she will try regardless. It's in her nature. She will try it regardless. That's a that's an interesting point, you know. Like in all the arguments my mom and dad have had, like they, have, my mom has never tried to publicly embarrass them, ever. It's just very interesting. I, I feel like you should never try to publicly embarrass anybody, or try to like start an argument, right? Or like, you know, finish one in public. It's never happened. Yeah. Like, that's like 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 you said, Chandler. It don't it don't come out of nowhere. And as and as men, you know, you got to be aware of of your woman's behavior because not only will this help you address problems, it also it also help you create good things in the relationship. It'll help you understand what she wants and you know what what her needs are. So and what her needs yeah. are w- w- without even even have, without her even having to tell you. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. Like I was thinking about this today. Actually, it's like in order to be a good boyfriend, you gotta um you kind of gotta know how to mind read a little a little bit. Just, just you know, just, just a little bit. You gotta kind of understand, like knowing what, what, what to do in a certain situation, even though she's not telling you what to do. Yeah, I would say, uh, and this is a, a book recommendation for those who are bold enough to take on the task that it is. Uh, the Laws of Human Nature by Robert Greene is a great book, um, and it'll it'll make you better at this. You'll start to notice like smaller instances in a body in a person's body language, because um, although their voice may, their words may say something, their body is really going to tell the uh, the true story. So I think every every man should be an expert body reader, body language reader um, of his woman, and in that way he can start to understand his woman, but also. Going back to the to the respect bit, um, it's important to check it if something does happen. Like even if it seems like insignificant, like ah, oh, just whatever. Like it's not one of your boys. This is this is your woman. Um, so that's part of your responsibility to check that whatever it is when it happens, and it doesn't have to be like in a over the top way. You just be like, hey, this is not what it is. And then move on. So that's that was I agree with everything you said hundred percent. You gotta check it when it happens. So that's so that shit don't happen again. Cause and I think that's something that a lot of men can struggle with, you know, like checking something that's that's not very blatant. You know. It, it takes it takes time to get good to to notice it. It does like that. But it, it does take time. It does take time. But um you know, this podcast has been going on for a minute. This was a great conversation. <laughs> that way Chandler dropped some bombs that oh my God. That that I'm not gonna lie, I not needed to hear. Truth hurts. I needed the the Black Lotus listeners needed to hear that too. But um there is a Lakers versus Celtics game on right now that's in overtime. Ooh, that that needs to be turned on. So ah. Lucky we didn't even get on that bronze topic. You know how it would have been. Or the Brittany 
Griner topic. Oh, oh. Oh, we, we might have to add a plus one to this one. We might have to put it on this one. No, no, we're going to have to come back to that. Man. We're going to have to come back to that one for sure. Well, you know, as we say, as long as y'all... Russian arms, dude? The Russian arms dealer? In she was nine? making beds that he about to lay on. The Merchant of Death? Merchant for of a 6 eight pothead. Oh, Chandler. Ooh, God, 6 nine. Six Chandler, Chandler. Oh God, Chandler. Oh God, that's 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 spicy. That's spicy. And I, the, are we are we doing this or are we not? I just want to know before I. <laughs> All I'm saying is, we gotta, you, know, you know how many African Americans have been to jail cells because of weed right now? Come on, man. That is locked up. Dude. Locked up. If this doesn't tell you about the American war industrial complex, I don't know what will. Like, think about what just happened. And there, there's like political prisons over there that we like we could have gotten instead of like... <laughs> we are fighting a proxy war, essentially, in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. We are funding the Ukrainian defense yeah. with our own money that we're printing instead of giving it to people in anyways. They've been doing it since Vietnam. We gave back an arms dealer to the enemy of who we're supporting in a war effort. All in the name of freedom, brother. For a 6-8 pothead. And that's that's just really the power of social media right there. She got all the real media, man. Um, I'm not saying it's like... I'm not saying like... I don't think any of us are saying that she deserved to be locked up right. for the week. It's just, I think she deserved to be locked up. I, and the labor camp is has pushing it. Nine yeah. years is crazy. Maybe like maybe uh, maybe two weeks. That is an international law for for a month. Maybe hey, you maybe a season. Know. Like I can understand, but um, I don't think anyone is justifying that like she deserved nine years and like like yeah. But it's just the fact that it's a Russian arms dealer is is what what we we're giving up a return like. When you go to a country, you agree to abide by their laws. You sign that social contract. You sign the social contract. So why would you... You know what? (laughs) Uh, In their point, in their point, in their point, Russia is one of the highest paid women basketball, like one of the highest paying countries for women's basketball. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, she she should have known. Uh, maybe she forgot to check her luggage. Maybe she was a little, I don't know, um, <laughs> sedated under the influence. Sedated. So, um, but you know, like, like she, she did have an opportunity to kind of like, like it was very avoidable. It was very avoidable. Um, but you know, like. <laughs> I just don't think I don't I don't I think we should have gotten more, right? If we're gonna give up the merchant of death himself, we, we definitely should have gotten more. If we're giving up freaking What did, what did Michael Parsons say? We left a Marine over there. <laughs> Wait. Yeah. Paul Whelan. Oh was that was the family, right? That was the family that was like I know it's like a oh my goodness, man. Yeah, we left a Marine over there. We gave up. That Let's see. Stung. We got we got She Hulk. That one stung. <laughs> <laughs> we left the Marine over there. Yeah, it's just, bro, it's just crazy because they said he finna go back into uh 
arms dealing. Why would he not? I wouldn't so, be surprised. Like, <laughs> to get back like, to work. When it's that report to came out, they they made it seem like they were surprised. Shoot. So in, in terms of Marvel, we got She Hulk, but we gave up Claw, who's at storage in Wakanda. This is and all the vibranium. This is like the Kobe trade. Mm. Which one? The Kobe trade. Oh, the original. Yeah, the original, the original, original Kobe trade. Yeah, 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 yeah. What was that? Who did? Who did they? Was that? That wasn't Stoyakovich, was it? No, nah, it was uh, Divac. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it was. Yeah, Vladi Divac. It was the the Bulls, right? Ah. Or was it the Dallas? Um, the Hornets. Charlotte mm-hmm. Hornets. Yeah, it was the Hornets. Hornets. Nah, but nah, the whole Brittany Griner thing is just very interesting because when you look at just straight like international trades and stuff like that, that that's a horrible deal. Like a basketball player for for somebody who could potentially harm, you know, like thousands. You know, just see he could just harm people. Just period. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like definitely the United States definitely should have gotten their negotiating bag a little more. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, we should have turned this game on. That was yeah. yeah this is a. Okay, I think we should go ahead. Gosh. <laughs> bro, that is horrible. Yeah, yeah that was <laughs> two horrible possessions that I just saw. <laughs> that was like live commentary from the Lakers Celtics. Oh my god! Black Lives podcast. Oh my god! Live color commentary. <laughs> <laughs> That's horrible, bro. That's bro. Come on, Lakers. <laughs> just. They just stuck the dagger in. 122. What was that? 122, 114, 53 seconds remaining. Yeah. Yeah, that's horrible. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm about to wrap this podcast up. This is damn near the longest podcast I have ever done. For real, dang. I'm glad to be part of history. <laughs> Besides the one that I that we've done on Instagram Live, this might be the longest one. Cause I'm a, are y'all doing lives over break? Hey, I don't know, but me and Michael have talked about going starting to go live again. Yeah. I definitely because yeah. I don't. Are there girls here that think like differently? I'm sure there are. Um, girls. Well, one of them I brought on my podcast already, uh, Sharon. Um, she's she's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I I really haven't. Um, you know, I've kind of thought about it a little bit. I kind of. I feel like COVID um, kind of impacted my, my relationships with like girls here as like as like female friends. I feel like after COVID, niggas kind of became like a little more like kind of just to ourselves. And I feel like sophomore year, I would have hung out with like a lot more of my female friends more because that's kind of what I, I used to be on that a little more freshman year. But now, I mean, I used to be hanging around like. Around like y'all, LJ, you know, just like everybody in Slack, Gavin. I feel like that's something that, that impacted things a little bit. Now I've been, I haven't thought about that before. Because yeah. you're taking classes that you'll be able to like talk about this stuff, um, right? Yeah, right. And I definitely, I, and you know, classes have been online for a lot ooh. of time. Ooh, is that a vlog? But yeah, I'm gonna wrap this. I'm gonna wrap this up. 
Appreciate everybody who tuned in. If you listen to this full episode, you were a real one. Um, we talked about a lot. Uh, we talked about um, Dion, relationships, women, HBCUs. This is going to be a classic episode. Black Lotus out. As long as y'all show love, we will stay consistent. Love y'all.